Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Noxherzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Vasca, a Yuanti Bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Cotter, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, snowstorms, monsters and monstrosity, fantasy violence, blood, death of loved ones, grief, heights, and falling. A Song of Snow an Abiku and Vasca backstory one-shot stars GM Connie Chong, Austin Knight as Abiku Ishtar, and Valiant Dorian as Vasca. The beast is almost dead. You think. It shatters backward through the air, its limbs, legs, points exploding into the dense snowbanks all around you. Black shards lodge into the trunks of hardy pines explode against icy boulders scatter all across frozen shells rhyming over the surfaces of nearby creeks. After you described this monster to them, Dr. Aluso had thoughtfully called it the Black Star. An empty beast with no head, no torso, no discernible humanoid appearance. Instead, it resembles a three-dimensional asterisk, a starfish made of black glass, a pulsating obsidian spoke with constantly permeating edges, blades, arms. Smashing through a branch, voice cracked open in a victorious howl, is Costas, an elf wrapped in leathers, furs, hides, their hood up, twin swords drawn, brandished. They launch off an icy boulder, lean body arched in perfect violence and slash down just in time. We see now that the scattered shards of the Black Star had been quivering, vibrating, trembling. A few had ripped themselves out of trunks of nearby trees, sharp edges dislodging chunks of perennial wood. Others had floated up off the ground and were tumbling through the air, retracing their fractal paths in perfect memory to reform its central mass. But Costas is too damn mad. That's for fucking up my tent! 
and bam! The elf's swords smash against the reforming beast, sending its desperately quivering parts exploding all over the winter wield again. And Costas rolls out of the way, tumbling through the snow, narrowly dodging an expulsion of obsidian shards and takes cover behind a torn up tree. Uh, hey, Abiku! Abiku, where the fuck are you? You're up! It's your turn! And now we pan through the snow to find Abiku Ishtar. Why don't you describe yourself to us and tell us what you're doing to bring this beast down? Uh, you see Abiku running out of the tree line, um, and she's like, oh, one, one moment, sorry, I was, uh, napping. And she's, she's running and she's pulling her bow out, and as she strings it back, you see Sun fly past her and go pin the beast in, in place as she pulls back and lets loose an arrow that the last moment turns into a bolt of lightning and cuts, like, right through the middle of it. It, she's like, oh, Vaska, it's it's, you're, it's almost down. Vaska arrives into the snow, watching the chaos unfold before her mass of white hair glittering in the snow, and calmly just walks forward, her eyes closed for a moment as she opens them really slowly and unfurls out of her pockets a black flute that has a tiny golden tassel towards the end of it and very calmly presses her lips against the flute and pulls out a melody that is cold, metallic, and fractal as the snow itself and the ice all around us. As she plays this music, tiny threads of snow begin to whip around this beast, a curve around its torso as she holds it in place. She raises an eyebrow at Costas and nods and continues to play to keep this beast at place. Yeah, as this like magic swirls around the beast's like various shattered arms, limbs, points, sort of like a four-dimensional asterisk. It just sort of moves by tumbling along to various spokes. It's like all suspended in the air, uh, uh, vibrating against the weave that you're pulling it down tight like a net around it. As sun, the skeletal drake, right? All bones and marrow and gnashing like mandibles. Ah, launches forward, and, uh, launches uh, himself into the middle of this obsidian shard mass. And, uh, uh, starts like chopping, slicing, biting. As Abiku strings the bow, poof, and a lightning arrow cuts through the air. Like we see it like bisect the snowflake perfectly in half, like in bullet time. And then poof, there's like a thunderous noise that explodes and shatters uh, against the core of this beast as well. Uh, and there's, I think like a, a huge like explosion of, of snow causing like a kind of like a miniature crater to bloom up. And we just see like the three of you covered in snow poof, as like a white wall just poof, like comes up like a tsunami and then when it settles down you all see just like little tiny shattered bits of like black grit uh and dust uh, and shards just silent and still in like this like beautiful spiral it's just sort of like shattered like black sand in like a kind of like semicircle. and like as like the the snow settles down around the three of you again uh we pan over to your faces and i want like why don't each of you just like tell me what you look like in this moment how are you dressed what do we see when we look at your face let's maybe start with a biku as like sun trots back to you like like a big shard of obsidian glass between his like skeletal jaws and like cracks it uh, yeah, you see a Biku reach down and pets on the head like a dog. <laughs> um, and she is wearing a, like, big blue fur-lined coat. She's wearing uh, two mismatched snow boots, 
that she found. She was told she needed to wear boots because it looked weird. Um, she doesn't have on like snow pants. She's still wearing like just like her her usual dress that you may be used to if you've uh, met Abiku before this one shot. Um, so she just has on coat and then it looks like a skirt because she's wearing her dress. Mitch mesh snow boots. And I think that's I think the coat is like clearly made of like something they've slain on this adventure. Yeah, uh, maybe it's like a, a Yeti hide. <laughs> Like you've got like some like dense yeti hide like over you and it's kind yeah. of it smells it smells kind of bad abiku uh and speaking of which i think costas ducks out from behind this like tree like brushes off some snow that like fell on their shoulders uh and they pull their hood back and we see an elf with sh like sharply articulated features like they're carved out of ice which half of their body is. We see the left side of their face is made of pure kind of crystalline, like azure blue ice, while like the other half of their body is this like dark skin, like very austere high cheekbones, almost like a high couture model sort of kind of face, like very, very like uniquely handsome. Uh, they stride next to you, Abiku, as you scritch the marrow hard top plates uh, of Sun Skull, and they say, how long are you going to be wearing that Yeti hide for? Because it's really starting to stink up the tent. Oh, I was told I needed a coat, and this is so I found a coat. Vasca, can you do something about this? And I think we all turn and all eyes fall on Vasca. What do you look like? Vasca, in this moment, is pushing off bits of snow off of her clothing. This very thick... She she's more layered than Abiku is dressed at this point. She's wearing layers of black robes on top of each other, but the you can still see the golden sheen of threads on the lowest uh, banner. She is this very slender, slim, uh, Yuanti woman with icy blue eyes, almost steely in its in its color. That steely blue, and she has a mass of white hair that she pushes back trying to get as much snow off of it from the defeat of this beast before her and she turns to look at her two compatriots her golden and black scales along her neck and her sharp features on her upon her face glisten in the snow and she looks over kind of whipping off the last flecks of ice off of her flute and looks to Costas and the Biku. What is it you wanted me to do again, Costas? Reprimand Abiku, or just tell her that it's not okay to smell like dead yeti all the time. I think it smells fine. Vasca approaches the two of them. I imagine that she is several uh, feet away, and she steps on up, and she kind of stoic face and takes a deep inhale. It isn't the most pleasant smell, I must admit. See? You do need a coat. Perhaps there's something we can do tonight to alleviate the smell. Well, Perhaps you're not I... having any of my furs and hides. Oh, uh, so I can't wear furs and hides, but you can. Well, uh, these are important to me. They're what? they're all I have. Gestures to coat. Uh, well, Vaska, isn't there anything you can do? Can't you like magic the smell away or something? Uh, Vaska kind of puts an arm around her back, like supporting, and she stands upright and kind of looks around at the size of this. Perhaps when we have time to rest tonight, I can have that be done. It'll take a while, Abiku. Would you mind waiting? That's fine. I get it back. Would that please you then, Costas? Fine, fine. I guess I can stomach another however many hours you've got left before the sunless sky gets dark again. 
it is easy if you don't remember a son. Not you. And uh, says to son. Yeah, son, yeah, son had cocked his head to the side, like, huh? When he said that, uh, like a skeletal tail, like wagging a little bit. Um, at this point, Abiku and Vasca make a perception check for me. Uh, 29. Holy fuck. Nowhere <laughs> close. I'm like 16. And I was like, that's, that's nice still pretty good. What? That's still pretty good. Um, that's a good Costas, normal number. Costas got a nine. So I think Costas is like plugging their nose and like leaning away from Abiku when Abiku amidst all of this, like Vasca talking about like winding down for the night, like this black sediment that the remains of this beast, the black star that you had been tracking. Uh, for several days, if not weeks now, at this point, settling down around you, you feel just like, I think you he I think you hear something. Uh, and your sharp, I think, like, hunter, like, nature-attuned ears prick up. And it's almost like kind of like a low, like, like a note, like a humming. Uh, coming from beyond kind of like a small hump of a snowy hill uh, to your north, maybe 30 feet away. I think I just go quiet and you, like... You know when someone has like a like a thinking face, like like have like clearly have like I put my thinking cap on and I'm just kinda like Do you hear that? Hear what? Has the Yeti come back to life? No, this way, and just starts like walking towards the noise. Abiku! Abiku! Shouldn't we start setting up for camp? Uh, Vasca! No no, I hear it as well. Come, let's go take a look. For a moment. You also set off, uh, Vasca, like, sun trots along. Like, we leave Costas for, like, half a beat, who's just sort of standing there in the middle of this, like, black sediment, and they just go, ugh, fine. And they, like, trudge up, like, kicking through the snow. Uh, and I think the three of you begin to, like, crest up this hill. And at this point, the sour chill of winter is sinking its, like, dull teeth deep into the remnants of your marrow and your bones as you crest over this hill after a couple minutes of, of trudging. And you see the temple. Stone doors glazed with frost, maybe 80 feet away, carved into the rocky side of a now-exposed mountain. Evergreen vines thread the cracks of ancient pillars, uh, supporting an awning made of bristling icicles uh, above this door, like the snarling teeth of some deep winter predator. Uh, and chiseled into the door is the sculpture of a masculine drow. Uh, and you see, like, sculpted into the store, like, 80 feet away from you, like, long, tangled hair rippling down a kind of, like, lean physique, uh, but their head is shaved on either side, uh, forming almost like a really long, kind of, like, mullet, almost. Uh, and, like, a bare chest proudly shows off uh, top surgery scars, uh, visible even through the masonry. And the lower half of this drow uh, is draped in kind of, like, monk-like robes, uh, and a long length of rope thread, some sort of twine, uh, coils around their entire body, uh, ending in a dart that they cup between their hands. Uh, and the dart is actually the only part of the door not made of stone. It actually appears to be made of a translucent crystal material and seems to be like glowing a little. Uh, and Vasca and Abiku, you can surmise that the humming noise is coming from the dart. Uh, and I think the two of you recognize this door, this temple entrance almost immediately. And as Costas is the last one up, like they like pull up next to the two of you, they just sort of let out a breath and they go, Jinka's vigor. And indeed, Jinka's vigor is this very famous temple to Nitbuza in the northern reaches of Moroz, where you all are, uh, that used to serve as training grounds 
to the former paragon of Nidbuza, uh, and is the temple that you have been tracking and hunting down and trying to find for the past like few weeks, which is where you suspect the god shard has taken up residence. Well, that was easy. <laughs> Your keen senses. What is true once again? Uh, and you see a very, the tiniest, my most minute curve of a smile on Vasca's lips as she kind of like steps forward a little to inch a little closer wanted to better look on a binky oh, yeah. you see a giant smile <laughs> being told Costas she did a good job like, definitely like Costas is also like bouncing from ball to ball of their foot like really excited to get going they're just going I knew it I knew tracking down that black star whatever stupid empty beast is gonna lead us right here i knew it was looking for something i yes yes okay okay god shreds in there we just gotta get it and go back to dr rose eh yeah it sounds quite easy oh it's been almost a year oh it's been so long since i've had dr aluso's handmade dumplings oh yummy 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 okay all right uh vasca i know you really wanted to bed down for the night but it's right there and we've still got a couple hours of non-sunlight i do agree we are very, very close. Let us go take a look, and we could always rest indoors out of this bitter cold. Do you want me to look ahead? I'll come with you. I, I'm not getting left behind. <laughs> Costas also picks up to like move after the two of you. Uh, so are y'all like just strutting right toward like those stone doors? Been a year. We might as well. I think yes, Abiku is like moving and like trying to make sure there's not something by the door, or make sure like. There's not tracks before ours in this in like the fresh snow. With your 29, you notice tracks. Maybe 40 feet, so halfway between hill and the entrance. 40 feet in the snow, there are almost these like weird pacing tracks that form a semicircle in front of this like side of this hillock. You recognize the tracks well. They look like uh, the spindly, pointy, kind of like all over the place, messy tracks of the Black Star. Uh, almost like it had been like sort of rotating like to and fro just in front of the entrance, but hadn't gotten in or entered it for some reason. These tracks look maybe like several weeks old, though. Uh, but with their 29, you notice them. And you notice the freshest set of tracks is actually a direct line back up the hill the way you came and into the woods, kind of where you found the Black Star and had been tracking it up until this point. Almost like it, it gave up or something, or like it was pacing and then it decided to leave. Is, is something, the thing we just fought, the uh, the Black Star, something was keeping it out of here. It it has been here a long time. The, the snow has compacted down into ice and that is hard to do somewhere where it is always snowing. Keeping it out? I don't see anything keeping it... Oh. Uh, and Costas had walked right up to, like, the pacing circumference of the Black Star's tracks and seemed to hit, like, an invisible barrier or something, maybe, like, 40 feet out from the doors. Like, like Costas just, like, hits pure air and just, like, bounces backward and falls flat onto their butt. Ah! Gods, what the... Whoa. And upon where Costas, like, hit this invisible barrier, like, you all see, like, a, a ripple vibrate through the air, uh, almost like uh, pebbles being dropped into the surface of a still pond. Uh, and now revealing itself in front of you, you see a formerly invisible shimmering net of magic, like a half dome suspended 
over the awning and onto the snow of just pure weave that seems to be preventing like intruders or something from entering, right? And like shimmering threads of what appear to be hard light forming these like, like as as Costas is like sat there looking up, like you see like like their their mismatched eyes, like one icy, one normal, like looking through these like shimmering threads. Uh, and you all just see almost like, there's no other way to really describe it. It's like little like uh, bubbles of thought forms, ideations. As you get closer, you all hear like the humming noise get louder and it seems to be interwoven with like layered whispers uh, of just like all kinds of words and voices and languages all like twining together, uh, like a mosaic uh, of thread woven from different kinds of yarn just forming this net, this barrier in front of you. What do you do? I think Vasca, as Costas just whacks against this barrier, tilts tilts her head. She's stepping down quite carefully. Firstly, puts an arm out for Costas to take to pull them up. Yeah, Costas is still sort of like starstruck, like looking up at this like, like vibrating network of like colorful threads. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, yeah, thanks. And they, like, put put a hand in your hand and pull themselves up. It's almost like an upside-down wicker basket or something. Very astute observation. Why would someone put it in a basket? I wasn't being literal, Abiku. Oh. When, you when should you have... be more straightforward when you talk. <sighs> when you have Whatever. a basket, it's to carry things. And it's also prevent bugs, insects from getting your food or any other of the items that you have inside. Perhaps this is similar. What I would like to do, or attempt, is... Go Because you mentioned that this is kind of like, there's layered whispers and sounds and humming. I I think her instinct is to try and listen in and, and hone in on, like, resonant notes or tunes that might be coming out of this weave of, of sound to see if there's something that she could try and replicate on her flute. Ooh, make an intelligence performance check. Cool. Okay, that's a that's an okay roll actually. Uh, Twenty one. Yeah. Uh, so as you sort of like still your mind, cock your ear, uh, and open your senses uh, to this like intertwined like these like threads of like magic, music, noise, sound, thought. You you're able to pick out specific strands of voices. Like one, you hear sort of like the sound of like a massive like ice cracking. It sounds like. Fishers forming in ice, uh, screaming. You hear screaming as well. And you hear like a roar, like a kind of noise. Uh, sounds familiar, actually, uh, to one of the many anomalies caused by the cataclysm, caused by the unspooling here that you were sent to investigate. Uh, as ice cracked open and like beasts from a bygone age crawled out, it sounds like that's what's happening. And then you like switch your attention to like another thread, right? And it's you hear the crackling of fire, right? Uh, of a warm fire. I uh, hear like low, like traumatized murmuring and you hear an elder's voice speak in tangled morosi. It's okay, children. We of the commune have overcome many, many hardships over our long, long years of being on Zima. This is but one of many of Nitbuza's challenges. Uh, And you hear like a a youth's voice go, but grandma, uh, the stars are gone. The gods are gone. That's never happened in Ndake before. Are we gonna be okay? Don't worry. Everything will be okay. Nitbuza may be gone, but we can still pray to her. Come, come, everyone. Let's pray. 
uh, and hear a chorus of like a village, uh, Morosan villages' vo- voices like coalescing to like put up like a, a desperate platitudes uh, prayers to Nithbuza. You like draw in on another thread and you hear a kind of like a Kyrian a throat singing like sort of happening, like a, a prayer also to Galtanger to return. And you just sort of hear like a like kind of noise, like intercut with like bells and drums and like more voices and things like that. And you're able to piece together that these are all like almost like you're like peering through like curtains uh, into like a bunch of different experiences all over Morose, its southern border and everywhere that's been impacted by the unspooling. These are like little memories, uh, snippets, snapshots of emotions and thoughts and experiences from dozens, thousands, hundreds of thousands of different perspectives stitched together, forming a barrier. Uh, Vasca is like touching this with um, her flute almost as she's tethering through each thread and she kind of just absentmindedly says it just these words just fall out of her mouth memories of the unspooling forming a barrier and she she's just in in quiet contemplation uh costas quirks like a half icy face about you, right? Like their handsome features on their right side sort of wrinkled in consternation and confusion. And they just sort of say like, kind of like at you, what What do you mean the unspooling? What like, what like this is? And they like p- put out like an icy finger and like prod it. And there's like a, like a ripple, like emanating outward. This is what a result of the unspooling. I don't think it's like from my assessment that this is caused by the unspooling, do I? There is a relationship there, but this is very different from, yeah. like, ice cracking open, steam venting through the snow, people mm-hmm. dying. This feels almost like a, a nexus, perhaps? Mm-hmm. She's thinking, and she's kind of, like, still, like, weaving through the different threads with her flute. And I think what I would like to, <laughs> what I would like to attempt, because, um, you describe them as threads weaved together, right? Yes. Um, I think she would want to find a couple that are similarly themed because they all they all have a similar theme of the unspooling of loss of change, and she wants to find a couple that sound pretty similarly and try to music flute her way through this. <laughs> Ooh, almost like you're fighting like different notes of resonance. Yeah, like, and like and like pitch. splinter through it is kind of like Ooh, my idea. That's really smart. I really like that. Why don't you roll performance with advantage? Uh alright, with advantage. And the second one's higher, 19 plus 13. That is. Oh. That was a 32. <laughs> 32, that's let's 30. go! <laughs> that's a 32. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. A 19 is literally the second highest number you can roll on a d20. So, yeah, you pull out your black flute, is how you described it, right? Yeah, and you it, begin to play it. I think um, Vasca kind of, like, takes a step back, and as Costas, like, touches this barrier, this and it creates this reverbering, she whips this black um, flute. It has these intricate carvings where, if you paid really close attention, you see flecks of gold in there, matching almost like her scales and a long tassel that's red and it the tassel seems crudely made not as elegant as the rest of the flute but it is the knot itself is tied very elegantly but the actual tassel itself seems more homemade and far cruder than the rest of the construction of this flute 
and she brings it to her lips and she plays a deep um, resonant melody first almost like she is finding the pitch and then as she continues playing there are these tiny whips of black and um, a dark blue smoke that billows out and then as she begins to find the pitch and find the tune they sharpen and thin and touch towards the areas of the barrier that resonate and uh, reverberate and try to pierce through. Yeah, I think we see Abiku on the outside and Costas too, like Costas turns and sort of like slack-jawed, sort of looks at Vasca playing this beautiful like tune. And we almost hear like this barrier sing back. Uh, we see like a long thread turn black and blue, like riveting, lacing its way like all the way up from like the snowy bottom, all the way up to like the the icy awning uh, over the door, like like a single vertical line go up, and then we see another one like horizontally go across, also light up, and then another one like they like hit each other, they ping off of each other, and each of these threads with the same resonant note all light up uh and like the entire i think like icy glen here begins to sort of like hum and vibrate and sing with this like one single note and as it happens Vasca, i think like as you play this music you begin to more innately understand what's happening here as each of these threads light up you sort of almost see like a in your mind's eye a spindle kind of spinning just rotating in like a, a abscess of, of, of a light. Uh, and we see these blue threads uh, that you're calling upon, like thread itself around the spindle. And you realize that what's happening here is that each of the anomalies, uh, each of the miniature catastrophes caused by the unspooling generate magic, magic that feeds this barrier. Uh, and each of these like dark blue threads, you almost sort of see like reach across time and space to like each of the places that they're affecting. We see the campfire with like the old like grandmother like and her children and grandchildren huddled around her terrified, right? L faces lit up by smoke and fire. Uh, we see great crevasses cracking open in the ice uh, and monsters reaching claws out and dragging themselves onto the surface while people scream boots thudding over snow. Uh, and we also see sort of on the, on the southern border of Morose and Kirtal, uh, singers atop icy peaks, entreating the highest point of the sky that they can to reach Galtanger and try to coax her back into existence. You see all of these, and we see like a thread of light rise up from each of them, like travel through the air uh, and net themselves into this barrier here. Like they're fueling it, to clarify. Yes, like they're fueling it. And as the spindle keeps turning, you just hear like, just this one, a name just comes to you, just presses to the forefront of your mind. The storm, the Northern Tempest, Nipusa. I, um, I think Vaska like removes the flute from her lips hearing that. And we'll just repeat that. The storm, the Northern Tempest, Nipusa. Yeah, is, is she in there? Can we go through? Hello? And like, Costas like touches it again and it ripples like yet again. Did you do it? Did you unlock it? Are we good to go? I, I can't get in. Can I get in? If she touches the barrier? Yeah. 
uh, Vasca, as you like tentatively like push your fingers forward, uh, the little strands of blue that are now like knit through this otherwise like kind of golden white light, the threads part. Uh, almost like someone just like pushing strands of like bamboo or like woven thread like apart to form mm. an aperture. They like part of their own will to like admit your fingers. What? Wait, well, that's not fair. Uh, I think uh, Vasca just once again the tiniest, most minute admittings of a smile. Um, will look back at Costas and Abikun. Does it look like it will stop? behind me if I keep moving or if it or is it a a curtain that I'm allowed to keep open as long as I maintain connection to it. Uh, more like the latter. More I like think the like ladder. a curtain that you're that it's letting you admit mm-hmm. guests through, let's say. She and she stood like back straight and she's using her the back of her flute to keep it open, like almost drawing <laughs> a curtain with her flute. And she will just extend a hand over to Costas. Well, don't mind if I do walk past this godly barrier. Thank you very much. And Costas, like, tentatively, like, puts a, like, foot through the aperture that quickly goes through it. Like, they're scared it's going to, like, shut and, like, slice them in half, right? Mm-hmm. They, like, duck underneath it, take your hand. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be big enough for a biku? A biku, if you stay close, I can keep it open for us, I think. As you look over, Abiku's had her hand up against the barrier the whole time. He... You said it was memories, yes? Vasca nods. Did you hear me? Uh, Vasca kind of like furrows her brow, shakes her head while eyes close. That is, that, that, that is okay. And she'll soldier slumped like go through. Yeah, the, the curtain, so to speak, like, like groans a little bit wider <laughs> to like let a biku through and it like shivers a little bit as it's like pressing tight against its brethren like to let a biku through and as a biku you like duck underneath this like like humming like web a barrier uh we see like a strand sort of light up next to a biku as you go through uh and like like we we parse through it actually we fly through the strand to see a quick memory uh of a biku i think like the the edges of this memory are faded you know we're just focusing on like the action at hand uh you are parlaying with a white dragonborn man uh in some sort of morosin commune like some sort of like like lit up gur from the inside uh he's got like a gold capped tooth you know he's got on kind of like a weird suit that you've never really seen before definitely not very endokin in any manner like kind of weird looking like suit yeah yeah and he's like sliding across like a grainy wood table like a a, a charcoal drawing uh, of some sort of like scrawled up black beast uh and he sort of says to you uh, the Chromium Order is definitely more than happy to lend our assistance for some gold. Of course, this thing, uh, the Black Star, why not, uh, as your colleagues have been calling it. I think I saw it, uh, near the, uh, north, uh, across the way from where our, uh, order is headquartered. Here, this is what it looks like. Uh, and this man who had introduced himself as Mr. Rathstone to you slides like a crudely drawn picture of the Black Star uh, to you, Abiku, as you're huddled in this tent. And then like we cut back away from this memory uh, to Abiku like stepping back through the curtain to join uh, Vasca and Costas. Uh, I think Vasca is just silently just like as high as she can. She's so much shorter than Abiku. But still kind of like raising the flute up to keep this 
sort of curtain going and walking closer towards the temple and just watching all of these threads. How many other memories, catastrophes, stories that are fueling this space. Totally. Yeah. Why don't both of you take a point of inspiration for getting past my door puzzle? I like <laughs> this puzzle. puzzle. Uh, you solved <laughs> yeah. my door puzzle. <laughs> uh, so, Abiku and Voska, the two of you pass through this barrier. Like, uh, uh, Voska, maybe at this point you like lower your flute, right? And like the barrier begins to knit itself back together, right? Uh, you turn your attention to the stone door at hand uh, with this etching of this drow man uh, upon it, like 10 feet tall, even taller than Abiku here, maybe 10, 15 feet tall, a massive temple double doors. Uh, as you stride up in front of it, uh, Costas sort of like rolling their shoulder from the exertion of fighting the Black Star. <sighs> That's one weird barrier. What was that all about? Do you know, Voska? Why did it suddenly let us through and what's causing it? She kind of like is looking up at the statue and, and uh, kind of just says, the unspooling, the chaos, the disasters, they are, they're what fuel it. From what I can tell. They form all of these, and she's like gesturing to... I think they're more noticeable to her than maybe to anyone else, these threads. Like, they form these threads all around these barriers. I just try to break through them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you mean to tell me that all the unhinged bullshit we've had to fight through for a year to get here that was caused by the unspooling was was to make this barrier? What's Nebuza so scared of? Well, that black star thing was not nice. Well, that's true, but well, uh, uh, Costas interrupts themselves uh, because basically as soon as they had said the word Nebuza, the crystal like dart uh, that the statue was was cupping in its hands uh, had begun to glow, and at that point of their sentence, like the glowing had gotten big enough that they they were taking note of it, uh, and there's sort of like a like a shaking, trembling, like the earth moving sensation all around you. See, like the snow sort of like vibrate all around, loose pebbles like crack free of the door. You see an icicle, like the like the bristling awning of icicles are all vibrate, like a couple even like crack off and like splinter onto the ground. Like Cossus jumps back, uh, and we see a scene. <laughs> crack open like down the middle of the sculpture uh, of the door as the door like pushes itself open to admit entrance like splitting right down the middle what whoa Good. you are very smart Costas you know what you are welcome because that was definitely uh I definitely solved that puzzle on purpose Yes, it, it is good thinking. You thought ahead to solve the next problem before we ran into it, and that is that shows fine leadership. I mean, Vaska is in charge; she's the paragon, but you know. Well, y yes, of course she's in charge. But thank you. Maybe I'm the uh, maybe I'm the second in command here, huh? No, it's probably me. But you are, you know, you, if we have elections again, you are. You're good like up. seven months old, Vaska. Stop. I just imagine that after seeing this glowing of the dart, Vasca just feels connected, perhaps closer to purpose, closer to destiny. Mm. And in her own mind, like this conversation 
blurs the volume muted and she kind of just she's she's beginning her her uh journey up these uh incredibly ostentatious set of steps of this temple and walking on forward ignoring the conversation of her two compatriots love that yeah costas is like turning and saying hey Vasca, who do you think should be second in Vasca? hey this conversation isn't over abiku and i'm voting for myself as like costas like hurries up the steps behind Vasca. Well, it starts going, starts, you know, I would also vote for myself and some would also vote for me. So I think, I think I can outvote you. Hey, son doesn't count. We, we can't talk to son the way you can. You know, and like, I think your argument like trails down the corridor, right? As like, you like go through, you go through the, like the doors and the doors begin to like groan shut again. Right. And as like the three of you go down this corridor and like disappear out of our view as the audience, uh, we see like the curtain. Uh, this barrier of magic that was still quivering open to admit Abiku begin to close. Uh, but right before the threads, this protective barrier knit themselves back together, we see just like a trail of black grist and dust, almost like a obsidian snake sort of down the hill, right? Like following the trail that your party made and go through the barrier the last motes uh, of its body going over the threshold as the weave knits itself shut unbeknownst to our party uh, and now we cut to the inside of Jinka's vigor uh, and the three of you at this point Vaska, Costas, and Abiku you have entered a crystalline corridor all around you are these like bright, slick colorful panes of ice uh, with jagged stalagmites protruding upward out of the frostbitten ground in these clusters of colorful refractive crystals. Uh, sharp angular planes of ice refract your own visages back at you. You see like broken up abikus, voskas, costuses sort of everywhere. You know, like, all, like you're in a hall of mirrors, almost like your proportions kind of distorted from myriad angles. Uh, and lighting the way, because there's no light coming from outside in here because the doors have grown shut. Lighting the way are these glowing strands of gossamer? You're, you're not exactly sure. They're like kind of ethereal, just like all around you, uh, hanging in the air at eye level, like lost strands of thought. Uh, and this corridor extends deep and deep and deep into the tunnel, just like so cold, this like chilly air hanging all around you. Eventually the corridor curves out of sight. What do you do? I mean, if no one stops her, Biku is going to just be walking unless someone says something to not be walking. Regardless of if people stop and take note of the turn, she is going to continue her stride. I think Vaska pauses for a moment to look at the gossamer that's above and around, but follow in a Biku's lead. Totally. Costas brings up the rear. So these like strands, as you take a closer look, uh, Costas is actually going to like raise an arm and like curiously run their fingers through it almost. Uh, these are like <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are like threads of pure light. Uh, you realize it's magic boiled down to its essentials, uh, lost of all artifice, uh, immaterial and warm. These threads of pure magic and light radiate heat, uh, but also little pulses of emotion. 
Uh, as you pass through it, they're just sort of like hanging almost like a thin miasma all around you. As they like phase through your face, there's some glitching as they make contact with your skin uh, at the intersection, right? Like motes of radiant dust spasming. Miniature thought forms prickle upon contact. Vasco, you feel a pinprick of sadness here. A biku, like on your like exposed like collarbone, you, you feel a bloom of annoyance, right? Costas just sort of mutters like the word tapestry uh, as it like passes through them. Just like little thoughts, little emotions everywhere, all around you. Uh, so, is this place uh, a test? Wouldn't be surprised if there was a test. That the entire space is a test for whoever is to claim the god shard for the paragon. I mean, that would that would be you. We we can. I mean, I'm told we cannot do it. That it only can be you. Um, and and. I think Vasca kind of like traces her own fingers through this tapestry. Ibuza is Kreto, thread, ice, memories, enduring, everlasting. If this is a temple to her, it would honor all those things, yes. And just traces fingers down. And is this a very, very long corridor that we're walking through right now? Like. So you've basically gone around a bend, mm-hmm. and the corridor continues. Uh, like you, like your own footsteps sort of echo off of these colorful stalagmites, right? The icy air sort of rhyming the insides of your nostrils with brisk, sharp fangs of cold temperature. Mm-hmm. And you get the sense as you continue down this kind of zigzagging, winding corridor that it's almost like a, a spoke or an arm of like a snowflake, right? Like following its own unique mm-hmm. fractal path. I believe our path is true, and I think uh, Vasca is gonna like name emotions and feelings as she like threads upon new ones, most mostly out of curiosity, and is paying very close attention to probably Costas because it feels like Costas doesn't let very little be hidden. <laughs> so <laughs> just to see if the experience is universal or no just gently uh paying attention to that and how abiku's reacting to this as well to the emotions as she's walking through i look confused and i think says even it is loud it is loud in here do you feel anything yes but it is it is like very loud you know so um you know, when I woke up and was in the chasm, you know, I didn't feel anything really. And I started to feel things and I feel some things, but it's still like quiet. But this is like, is this how you feel all the time? This is loud. This is a lot. No, but it does bring attention to feelings on the surface. Mm. Is this how you feel, Costas, all the time? Uh, no, I'm not a mishmash of a bunch of fluctuating emotions or whatnot, and, uh, what is, did you guys see that? What, what was, as the two of you were talking, I don't think you notice until Costa starts freaking out again. Your breaths have been coming out in these sort of like semi-opaque clouds because it's so cold in here, right? No big, no big deal. Your breath is just coming out. But as you continue to talk to each other, like little wisps of, uh, golden light, uh, also escape your mouths uh, as a biku names sort of like the word like confusion or is like loud right like 
when she says the word loud, like a like a big sort of like golden thread comes out of her mouth and begins like it like floats through the air. And I think it passes by your ear, Vosca, and you just sort of like hear like a it's kind of like a spiky one, like loud, 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 loud. And then like sort of like Costas walks into it like a spider web. They just go <laughs> loud, loud, you know, as it like goes all over Costas, and Costas shares the sense of being overwhelmed that a Biku had just named, right? And Costas walks through it. Uh, and as the two of you continued talking to each other, like little threads coming out of your mouths, the crystal all around you, uh, the images begin to change. It's not just like reflecting your own faces and your boots and like your like kind of big eyes or like a big nose here or there. Uh, it begins to reflect something else. You see a flickering fireplace. Uh, you see like a, a blue eye that doesn't belong to any of you, not even you, Vosca. Uh, you see a hand holding a mug of tea, right? As Costas begins to freak out, he says, do, do you see that? What What is that? What's What's going on? Uh, Vasquez just gonna pause and just stop st- stock still and take stock of this place. Maybe it is so. It's it's how people feel, yeah. So maybe it's the things that you feel about the words you say. Election. Vasco would like to see like what is uh, a crystal that's closest to us that's more visible, like what it's showcasing, and if it feels familiar. Yeah, you turn and you observe plane of crystal, sort of like one side of a many-sided diamond, right? Uh, and you see uh, fingers threaded together holding a cup of warm tea. And as you look at the fingers, there's something familiar about them. Like you've seen them before. Like they're they're actually very, very, very familiar. Uh, and as you continue looking at that cup of tea, it's almost like the, the tea gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Like you sort of tunnel vision a little bit, like it gets big, 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 big. You like, you push on through uh, and we enter this crystal into a memory. Hair 32. Abiku, you are holding a cup of tea. Uh, we like close in on your fingers threaded together, cupping this mug. And like we pull out again to see you sitting in Dr. Aluso's cottage. Uh, you're sitting in an armchair by a fireplace. And across from you, also in an armchair, is Dr. Aluso there, blue eyes uh, glinting behind their spectacles. They're also nursing a mug of tea, like one leg, ankle propped up on the knee of the other leg. And they're saying to you sort of like, swaddled in like the warmth of their cottage like the smell of the tea uh the purring i think of of a foster cat like a kind of orange cat (laughs) tomcat like in the corner like filling the space the smell of ginger snaps and coffee as well roasting through the air they lean forward like over the uh, owlbear rug that they have uh, over the wooden slats of their living room you okay abiku is this flavor of tea all right for you i know i've been introducing new flavors to you every day but i don't want to overwhelm you uh, no, th- so this one is le- lemon? People, So people eat lemons? Yes, people do eat lemons. Okay. I- I'm so sorry to tell you this. Were you speaking to the lemons in my cupboard the other day? Y- yes. Like a kind of awkward, terrified silence falls. And Dr. Lucer just goes, don't tell them I'm going to cut them up, okay? Oh. I mean, I talk to animals too, and I eat animals. It's it's okay. Things understand that the cycle continues. Good. I'm glad there is an innate understanding of the raven cycle. Uh, and like, she lifts the lemon tea and <laughs> sips it, but mm, like puts it back down and maybe picks out the lemon wedge and like puts it on her plate. I think Bika just looks 
That one was kind of rude if it helps. You know what? It does help. Okay. Uh, if you wouldn't mind feeding me a little white lie and just telling me all of my lemons are quite rude would make me feel better about serving them to guests. Oh, when yes. I guess guests. They are all very rude. They've never told me my hair looked rude. Mm. Well, I was thinking today, uh, maybe we could do a crossword together. Uh, or if we're feeling up to it, I mean, you've been up yeah. and about for over 30 days now. Uh, maybe we could take a stroll around the Badlands. Yes, it all sounds. I I love spending time with you. That would be lovely. Mm, I enjoy spending time with you as well. Um, very glad I found you. By the way, let's see where I put my crosswords. Uh, Doctor Lucy like puts cup on the saucer on the table, starts to get up. Um, but at that point, there is a noise at the door, and Voska. Why don't you tell us how Voska would knock? Voska is outside, tired but still stands arm behind her back and knocks on the door in a very um, steady, rhythmic tap, tap, tap. Uh, a guest? Uh, just uh, in time for your, for your rude lemons. Yes, just in time. This might be the first other person you've seen aside from myself ever since you woke up in the chasm. Will you be okay, Abiku? I think you're ready. Oh, I... Yes, I will. Should I? Should I put Sun away? And Sun is like by her feet, like, <laughs> like, like, like. There's the cat and there's Sun. Uh, only if you want to. Do you feel comfortable showing Sun to a stranger whose well, intentions are unknown and abilities unknown as well? Perhaps you should put Sun away. Oh yes, that is okay. And she goes over and like touches Sun's head, and then disapparates into just like a skull and puts it in her bag. Uh, the cat startles at this. By startle, I mean the cat looks up and lets out a and then like sort of like needs its paws on the yeah. on the rug and settles back she'll, down. She looks and says, "I am sorry, I would have warned you. Uh, next time, I will give you. Yes, oh yes, I will get. The cat would like fish tonight. Uh, and only in a language only you can understand. Uh, the cat sort of like flicks its ear at you, looks up and says, "Branzino." Branzino. Uh. I'll do my best. Yes, it's still uh, coming. Sorry. Uh, and Dr. Oluso sort of like shrugs their lab coat on a little bit more, adjusts their glasses, goes over to the door and opens it. Uh, and we see Vaska. Almost a year ago. What's different about you? Her hair is not as long as it is. Um, it is shorter, um, neater, perhaps. And... She is wearing um, less robes than she did. She's not out in the cold. These looser robes of black and gold with these beautiful floral-like patterning on the shoulders and chest. And she had her back turned, deciding whether or not Dr. Lusso was home or not, whether to knock again. But as Dr. Lusso approached, um, there's a look of brief surprise and unguardedness as she did not expect someone to respond. She kind of like steps full forward and are you Dr. Luso? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. And you are? My name is Vasca, and I've been having dark dreams of late. Okay. Uh, well, why don't you come on in? Uh, 
the winter is still here. You must be a little chilly. Uh, would, would you like some tea? Uh, and, like, Dr. Lucia opens the door to, like, admit entrance in, and you just feel, like, a gust of, like, warmth and hominess, like, breathe on your face, right? And, like, settle the chill in your bones. Thank you for your hospitality. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, of course, yes, of course. Uh, please, come in, come in. Uh, and as you cross over the threshold, Dr. Lusso closes the door behind you, and, like, before you know it, you've got, like, tea in your hands. Like, you know how it happened, you've got tea in your hands, and a saucer, right? And Dr. Lusso gestures for you to sit on the sofa next to the biggest woman you've ever seen in your life. Uh, pl please, this is, um, this is a Biku. Uh, she is staying with me for the foreseeable future. We're, we're friends. Uh, please have a seat. As, as Vasca takes a seat and, and turns to Biku, uh, she has the most polite uh, face upon her with a very polite smile as she raises her, her eyebrows and gives Biku a polite smile. My name is Vasca. It is a pleasure to meet you, Biku. My name is Biku. You are quite beautiful. Uh, Thank you. I find you quite beautiful as well. Thank you. That is That is nice to hear. Why do you also not remember who you are? Is that why you are here? I am hoping to know who I will be, I suppose. Destiny, oh. I believe, is calling me. Oh, so same reason. Perhaps so. Is that why you're here? I am pretty sure. And is it for what you will be or what you were? Yes. Bosca nods in understanding. <laughs> Uh, well, Vasca, you mentioned bad dreams. Do you mind sharing what they're about? I am in a great battle. I feel a heaviness on my chest, a pain in my shoulder, and I am facing down something large, bigger than... It feels strange to say this in the metaphorical, but bigger than Andake itself. And there are others with me. And you see, I think there is a moment where the stoicness breaks a little bit. As in Vasca's mind, she is recounting to herself. And I know that I will die. There's like a very like serious pause. Uh, and like, like Dr. Aluso's, I think there's like a glint from the fire that like, flashes across Dr. Lisa's glasses to sort of obscure their gaze as they listen to what you say. But they tilt their face up, though. You see their uh, blue eyes concerned and furrowed. I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds very scary to go through. I'd be more than happy to help you parse these dreams. Thank you. And you see, like, Vasca kind of, like, puts the cup of tea down, lowers her head in, polite, in a polite, like, curt bow. Well, um... Before we get down to brass tacks and business, who would like some biscuits? Um, <laughs> I think Vasca's taken aback a little bit. Like, I'm here for answers and I'm getting biscuits. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and looks kind of at Abiku in a very polite guest fashion of, would you like biscuits? Abiku has, I have like the blankest stare of like, Windows noise processing. Y biscuits are food, yes. I I love them. Wonderful. I'll go get some. I just believe it's best to uh, chat about dark things when our bellies are full with good snacks. Uh, and Dr. Luso gets up and bustles into the kitchen. Uh, 
leaving the two of you uh, alone for a minute. What is your favorite snack to eat? I think Vasca has the cup raised to her lips as she's asked this question and gives it a thought. I quite like grilled meats on a humble skewer. Oh, that is that is good. I enjoy per- getting meats for people. Do you? Do you also like grilled meats? E- of of course. I I enjoy eating. <laughs> uh, that's like of a polite chuckle. So tell me, where are you from? I am um the court. How about yourself? Originally from Morose, but I had taken up residence in the bar for many years. Oh, that is a big move. It was um, very different culture as well, but I so I wanted to learn more music. Oh yes, it is. It I you know it it is great music there. I went there recently for a music. <laughs> Is like, I feel like I feel, I feel like Posca is like is a Biku okay? Would you like to roll insight on a Biku Posca? Yes. Go for it. Posca's like, are you okay? Do we need a Windows reboot on you? Like, what's going on? That's a fifteen plus. What is my insight? Plus twelve. I love twenty-seven. Uh, a Biku. What does Vasca get with a twenty-seven? Uh, if your question was a Biku, okay, the answer is mm, no. <laughs> I think at this point, Vasca's like, small talk seems to be particularly vexing for a Biku. Let's try something else. Um, and Vasca kind of like turns fully towards you, a body facing yours now with an open body language. And she will just simply ask, what brought you to Dr. Luso? Well, he found me when I was lost. So I guess they brought me to Dr. Eluso? Where did they find you? Um, in the chasm. That is an interesting place to be lost in, Abiku. Yes, but it is easy to get lost. There are so many places you can go. I suppose that is true, yes. But tell me, have you found answers since... Uh, yes, I, people eat lemons, the birds here enjoy blueberries, the cat enjoys fish in the corner, I found that out today, that, that was a, that's, that's the newest one. Mm-hmm. Do you speak to animals? Y- yes, only, some, only like once a day though, it, it does, it, but for a few hours, for an hour or so. That's so if you have an animal you'd like me to talk to, I could still for a bit. That's a very brief smile. No, I do not have any pets. Um, oh, my well, purview is uh, a quite different skill. Oh, well, the horses out back are tell great jokes. Do they now? Yes. What is your favorite? It's it's okay, so knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? I would like an orange, please. Oscar 
just Oscar just has like the most neutral face. And in her own head it's just like I don't know what I expected horses to say. But that's what I first yeah, not surprised. At this point, uh, on the icy silence after a Biku's punchline, <laughs> uh, Dr. Lusa comes in bearing biscuits, right? Uh, sets the biscuits down, like, brings us back into their armchair and says, All right, um, let's get back down into uh, business, shall we? Uh, and on that, I think, actually, <laughs> like, the two of you turn to face each other, like, the cat just sort of, like, shaking its head <laughs> on top of the rug. Uh, we, we pull out uh like through through the roof right like we see the three of your heads we like pull out through the roof through like a thin white sheet of cloud cover uh and through like the shimmering surface of a crystal again uh onto both of your faces abiku and Vasca, as both of you are sort of like just staring at some crystals right in the middle of this corridor uh and what like pulls you back into the present is costas's voice and insistent tugging on both of like the backs of your shirts going hey Amiku, Vasca, hey, hey, Abisku, Vasca, just wake up. What? Hey. Yes. <gasps> You're back. Oh, my God. The two of you were just staring at these crystals for like 30 seconds. Well, that isn't that long to stare at crystals. Did you try looking at a crystal? What? No, I, I didn't want to get hypnotized by a crystal. I mean, if a crystal could hypnotize Vasca, it could definitely hypnotize me. What did what you the... see, Abiku? We were having... I told about the very funny joke about the oranges. Ah, uh, we saw the same thing then. What, what joke about oranges? What are you... What? It's a very good one. You should listen to it. I will tell you sometime. It is very good. We, we are doing a whole thing here where Vaska has to find a gotcha, but it is it's a good joke. It will, when we get done, I will tell you the joke as a reward. What, uh, I, what am I? A, a dog you can train? I don't need a reward to get through this. You know what? This is ridiculous. Let's just, let's keep going and stop staring at crystals. They're collections of memories reflected back if you gaze upon it. That's all. What, that's all? Fosca, you were staring, just entranced into the surface of this. You know what? Doesn't matter. <sighs> Seems like you're still you and you're not hurt. But let's get to this god shard, Yeah. Uh, Vasca nods and, like, looks at Costas, like, thank you. And we'll keep moving forward with a... Again, it's the continuous, minute smiles. Like, the tip of the of the lips, just a slight curl, and that's it. A beak is like, I, I am just saying, I have noticed, Costas, you do very good with, with positive reinforcement. When you get things for doing things, you, you do, you are less grumpy. You don't have to psychoanalyze me like I'm some sort of monster or, or, or pet or something. Everyone likes to do things for a reward. Well, yes. Is So what do you mean by psychoanal... What does that mean? I learned that phrase from an ex, actually. Uh, oh. It just means that you're just trying to, trying to analyze my psyche. And a psyche is... Like your subconscious... Uh, and like Cossus, as they continue to walk and talk, this entire time sort of like glancing over at Vasco, waiting to be corrected, kind of nervously. Abiku is like, and your subconscious, and she's like, and then that, like, that is like, she's like a five-year-old, and that would mean... <laughs> well, well, a subconscious is, you know, it's underneath your conscious. Uh, you hear Vasco 
I think when um, Costas mentions X, Vasca's hand instinctively touches the crystal that she's wearing around her neck. And as you are explaining, subconscious, like Vasca absentmindedly, words falling out of her mouth, just says, Your mind, my dear, your mind. That is what Costas means. Yes, what I said, your mind. Because I had to break it down for you, because sometimes you're, you know, because you're new to this. You don't really know what words mean sometimes. So I was trying to that make it. I should put these words in my diction and takes out a notebook. So a subconscious <laughs> and a conscious. Is underneath your conscious and all of it is your mind. Yeah. Your mind. Just draw a circle around both of the consciousnesses. Okay. And your mind is where memory is. Is all of it. And yes. I have none. Well, you have some. Apparently, both you and Vasco were just pulled into a memory. You know, if these crystals had to show me a memory, I'd pick the time I wrestled three, not two, three polar bears when I was top hunter in my commune. Uh, and Cossus starts to go on, like, this story about, like, finding these polar bears and, like, hunting them down and wrestling them. And as that happens, I think Vasca again, uh, as your mind is a little preoccupied, uh, and as your fingers sort of like trace this crystal, uh, you see flashes, uh, images glinting through the ice uh, yet again at you. Uh, you see a blue-skinned face cutting through the ice, gills sort of flaring on the side of a neck, the flash of a golden trident. Uh, and I think like on the flashing of that trident, like you are once again, I think drawn to it mesmerized perhaps in a sense of the word uh we push in on one of like the panes of crystal next to you uh uh, gets bigger 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 and then we see atalanta we see atalanta's trident leaned up uh against a wall in a bedroom and we pull out like a past this trident to see like a bed uh, that's kind of unmade kind of made and we see like a triton woman sort of lounging in the bed she's got this like chiseled kind of like a very muscular frame uh she's currently wearing very little clothing just sort of like chilling in bed uh she's got this like blue skin with gills flaring on the side of her neck this kind of like seaweed colored like hair sort of tangled around her face and she is currently in the middle of halfway getting up out of bed uh, a little confused a little frustrated a little just not getting it tumbling out of her mouth as she addresses the other woman uh, across the room from her who is i think leaving in the midst of leaving packing bags Right, but I'll leave the exact details to you, Vasca, because at this moment, Atalanta is saying, I don't, under, what do you mean you have to go? I don't, was it something I, I, I did? Did, did? Did you not like what we tried last night? I don't, what? She places whatever she is folding down. No, no, it's, that's, that's not, that's not what this is. No, it's. There's a path laid out before me that I must walk, and I cannot take you with me. What path, walk, bullshit, Vasca, just talk in plain Nabalish to me, okay? What 
is happening? And at this point, like, Atalanta gets out of bed, right? And, like, she, like, walks toward you as you're, like, gathering your things and putting them in your satchel. She, like, comes up toward you and it, like, gets in front of you so you, like, can't continue to pack. What's going on? Atalanta. You've been out of it since the cataclysm. You, you've been waking up at, like, 8 a.m. or the middle of the night, like, sweating through your shirt. I, you can talk to me about what's happening. She takes this really deep sigh, eyes closed. I will speak plainly, and looks at Atalanta with these eyes of like, I'm going to be extremely direct. This is not going to be pleasant for either of us. I feel that destiny is calling me away from you. What? 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 Destiny? Listen, Vasca, if you just wanted to break up with me, then break up with me. None of this, it's not you, it's destiny bullshit. You're a lot of things, Vasca. You're not a bullshitter. I'm not. Do I look like I'm lying to you, Atlanta? At that, she sort of like reels back as if you slapped her, blinks her eyes, looks you up and down. No. But I don't... Out of nowhere, you've never, never in the years that we've been together, that we've known each other, have you said anything about destiny. And now that the stars are gone, the gods are gone, I get it, things are scary, but you don't have to be alone about it. I, You can talk to me. You can let me in. And at this, she actually like reaches forward and takes your arms in her hands. I think she's taller than you, right? She like yes. kind of like tries to pull you in, right? She's like kind of muscular, right? Like looking down at you, like Fosca, just let me in. What's going on? Fosca takes like Atlanta's like taking either forearm, like she like grips onto Atlanta's forearms, and there's a temptation for a moment to be real and be vulnerable and to. Let her in. That would hurt. Because there's a dread that hangs over her, Vasca, in this moment as that temptation sinks into her heart of just like, what if I just allowed myself to tell her? And her mind like flashes back to a large thing in darkness and fire the pain she felt and this just dread just a feeling of dread uncomputable uh, no name to it that would hurt that would hurt her and she pushes away I need to sever my material connections what? and I think there's like a moment where Vasca's face is trained away from Atalanta. And for a brief moment, perhaps a tear. But then she looks up and it feels like that tear has flicked away and she looks directly at Atalanta and she says, I need to break up with you. I need to leave you. And there's a sternness, an icy sternness in her eyes. <laughs> Vasco, please, don't do this. But I must. Let me go. (sighs) And I think Vasco would turn around while 
while Atlanta's processing this, slip over that bag over her shoulder, not even give her one last look, and walk away. Bosca! Bosca! But it's too late. As Atalanta starts after you, like, the door closes. And as the door slams shut, uh, Atalanta just lets out this, like, roar. She holds out, like, a hand, and we see that trident against the wall vibrate. And it, like, shoots across the room into her hand. She lets out a roar and just throws it and, like, lodges it, like, into a wall. And poof! Like, out of just, like, grief and rage and, like, not understanding what the fuck is happening. And on that, like, Vasca, you are like thrown back into the present just like that trident boom like staggered back into your boots while you reel in this crystalline corridor from coming back from this memory in a way that was a lot less pleasant than the first memory we're actually gonna i think shift some focus over to abiku who while vasco was yet again entranced by the crystal abiku there's something calling to you as well even as Costas goes, oh, no, 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 Basket, stop. No, stop looking at the crystal again. Abiku, you hear a tap, tap, tap noise coming from one of the crystals to your right. I think Ranger Archer senses just like, inst- I hear something and I look. Like just out of instinct mm-hmm. to see what is making noise. Uh, your pure white gaze instinctually snaps over to your right, adroit and alert and poised, ready to move. And you see, like, just a figure uh, cutting through this colorful glass uh, out of view. Just a flash of a... Well, this person is uh, literally indescribable. Uh, You look and you recognize face, you think? A torso, limbs. Yes, this is a person, but as soon as you see them, you realize you can't can't comprehend what you're seeing. Uh, You know that there's someone there, but... It's like there's, like, something missing in translation. Like, there's the input, uh, and then the gap of comprehension is just a a static fuzz. uh, And then the output is, yes, that's a person. But all the details are missing. Uh, And this figure seemed to have tapped on the glass, so to speak, like, from the other side of this this crystal, and then just walked out of frame. Uh, I run to the crystal and try and speak into it. Like, yeah, I, I run, I'm, hello, is, can you hear me? And I think Abiku, I think I switch to one of the, like, past languages that I know. Um, and can you, do you understand this, perhaps? It, uh, my name is Abiku, do you know who is, like, is talking to this crystal? Uh, you run over to the crystal, are you, like, putting your hands on it? Yeah, I'm, like... hands on the stalagmite right freezing even through your gloves if you're wearing any and you talk in this like old tongue that no one not even the doctor was able to parse that you just woke up with an innate understanding of your voice reverberating desperately uh, off of the sharp edges and frozen frost all around you and you see a flash on your periphery uh, to your left, a, f- a flash of movement as again, as you instinctually like snap your eyes over to that flash again, you see yet again that figure like moving through it. Hair, you think? A trailing past their shoulders, you think? But you don't know. Uh, they move past another crystal uh, further along the corridor. Yeah, I, I follow. Trying to follow. like, I like get to the next one and I'm talking again, talking to a stalagmite. 
Yeah, it's like you, you like stop at a stalagmite talk, you follow, stop at a stalagmite talk, right? And follow again. Like you pause, pause, maybe bouncing from like other side to side of the corridor as it seems to like skip directions and, and, and locations. Uh, something about it feels, oh God, Abiku, have you ever had a, a, a word on the tip of your tongue, but you're unable to, to spit it out? That's what it feels like looking at this person, like on the tip of your tongue, almost there, but just out of reach. And something about it feels like you need, you need to see this person. You need to speak to them. Something about it feels urgent. Something about it feels familiar in a way. Funnily enough, ironically enough, the sensation of familiarity is unfamiliar to you, Abiku, because ever since you woke up, nothing about this world was known. But something about that figure is like you've seen them before, even though you have no idea what they're like. And as you continue this desperate game of tag from crystal to crystal, Vasca, that's when you are jolted back into your body some 30 feet behind a Biku, and Costas is right next to you. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, I think Costas sees a single, like, frozen bead of, of a tear uh, rolling down her face before she, like, snaps to looking what's behind Costas and goes, Abiku, and what? is going oh. to chart. <laughs> yeah. Costas yeah. was so intent on, like, helping you that, like, they didn't even notice Abiku was, like, gone. And you, both of you book it after Abiku. And now, like, our, our fun little, like, trapes through the Crystal Garden has now come to, like, like, you're sprinting now. You're, like, booking it. You see your forms, like, flitting through the glass all around you. You see, like, other recalcitrant memories, like, pressing themselves back up to the surface. Flashes of Atalanta's face for you, uh, Vasca. Flashes of various exes' faces, right, for Costas, uh, who's like, oh, like shielding it, like their eyes against it, right, like running it. Like you just see the golden strands of memories and thought forms and emotions that both belong and don't belong to you that light the way begin to vibrate in anxiety next to the pulsating a heartbeat of this chase. And Abiku, I think we find you like stopped at the next crystal. And as you're looking into it, you see something begin to balloon up. Uh, within it finally finally something maybe you're like desperately scratching at its surface and you see what looks to be maybe like a, a dense thick white mist some sort of fog uh, and then you hear costas's voice the footsteps the echoing shouts of your co compatriots coming from behind you hey abiku stop hold on we don't have to get separated hold on hold on there i have to find them what are you looking for Find who? And at this point, Vasca and Costas, both of you draw up to a stop next to where Biku's hunched over this crystal. I don't know. And I think she is, like, slumped, and so probably, like, at your height now, but, like, I... I Alright. I... You were just running. No, it is not because I, I can run very far, you know that. It, I am in good shape. It, I could see them. If it's, it's, I think I, like, like punch the wall. Uh, as you punch the wall, uh, you're strong, Abiku. Cracks spiderweb from your fist outward. Just off the crystal, right? And I think we, like, feel the corridor kind of tremble a little bit from the impact. And, like, the golden strands of mist sort of, like, also tremor, almost in fear. Costas whips their head around. Abiku, come on now. Just let's calm down. No. You come then. Uh, you and you, you two, you have a, a whole life here that you get to see and you could visit. And you, Costas, are too afraid to remember anything. And Vasca is perfect Vasca. I, I have seven months of memories that are mostly 
you two and the doctor, I saw something else and I was not enough to grab it. I, I don't know what is wrong with me. I think Vasca, when you say Vasca is perfect Vasca, there's a wince. Very, very clear one, which is very unlike Vasca. Sorry. No, I am sorry. That was not nice. You see Vasca shake her head. Nice teas are difficult when there's loss. I... Suppose what you saw. Maybe we can help. I can't because I don't know it was a person. That's all. They looked like a person with... And I think that same like frustration builds. Mm. And these crystals? If this was the last one, but I... It's all foggy. And she goes back to like looking at it. As y'all turn your attention to the foggy crystal, uh, you do see that there's some sort of like a... Almost like a cloud suspended in the crystal. Mist caught in amber. Uh, and as you look at it, Costas goes, oh, Gods, oh gods, what now? Uh, as the cloud seems to propagate, metastasize, expand upward through the refractive walls uh, toward the cracks formed in the crystal from a biku's punch. And this mist, this steam, uh, pours through the seams and begins to fill the corridor. And Costas goes, what the heck's going on? Hey, Vasca, hey, Abiku, Vasca, Abiku, Vasca. Uh, as their voice gets like quieter and like 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 it's coming from a distance more and more, like it's being covered by a thick layer of of cotton balls. As Abiku and Voska, this mist fills your entire vision. Everything is white, like you're walking through a cloud. And then the steam thins out, sizzles, and we see a shimmering surface of hot water. Uh, as steam is rising off of it. Uh, and we pan up to see Abiku and Voska many months ago at the Kuvi Hot Springs and Hostel, uh, chilling in one of their hot springs, uh, sent here to bond and get to know each other by Dr. Eluso. Uh, so, Abiku, we pan up your, like, considerable height. Why don't you tell us uh, how you're enjoying yourself in the hot spring in a way that is diametrically opposed to your frantic energy back in the corridor, right? Uh, yeah, Abiku is, like, sitting in the perfect spot on any hot spring, which is, like, in the corner where you can put your elbows up. Her blocks are, like, all the way up in, like, a almost like a beehive would be the best shape to describe it. Can't get her hair wet. It's not a hair and a... It's, oh, it's, no, thank you. And she has a cup of lemon tea. And she's just, like, cool chilling um, in the corner of this hot spring. I think she has Sun's skull that she's convinced. I think all of the employees of just, like... Jeez, There's just so one cool. guy. A, a, one turtle. <laughs> Whose old oldest thing you've ever set your eyes upon, and you mm -hmm. have seen yourself. Uh, like this old little hunched over turtle is the only guy running the establishment. He had introduced himself as Togos Budal. Incredible. Uh, so she has Sun Skull. She hasn't talked to or uh, summoned Sun at all, but she like has the skull with her as like a safety blanket thing. I think. And yeah, I think that's. Uh, I mean, she doesn't have like a swimsuit, so she's just cool chilling. 
Yeah, uh, you're straight chilling in like one corner of this hot spring, and now we pan over to another part of the spring to see Vasca. Vasca kind of has not seated in the corner, it's just kind of like seated adjacent to Obiku. So there is some closeness, but not too much, because we have just been sent here to bond by our <laughs> our friend, the doctor. Um, go, get along. Y'all are friends now. Go and hang out together. Um, and she's she has her eyes closed, and her hair is completely slicked back. And she is wearing kind of like just loose um, robes underneath, like in the undergarments, um, shirtless, because um, she is flat chested and just is relaxing in the water, almost in a meditative state, taking in the, the thick air. And after relaxing, it's just kind of like opens like very slowly one of her eyes to look over at a biku. Who is holding on to sun like a, like a security blanket and will just utter um, a few words how is the water treating you you know it seems i assume it is okay because you are in the water temperature i temperature is weird for me mm-hmm. she opens both eyes looking at you interested I don't have much else to... Unless you have a follow-up question. <laughs> what did you mean by temperature is weird for you? It. I seem to not feel it right. Like, my skin doesn't feel it. But, like, if it's too hot, I could get burned still, you know? So I have to be mm. careful. I think Vasca kind of, like, moves a little closer and is now, like instead of being, like, adjacent to you, is now, like, on the same area as you, but in, like, the different corner. You're very interesting, Abiku. Thank you, I think so, too. I think you are interesting, but you seem to be very, like, in, like, gestures to the fact that you're, like, over there. I think for the first time for you, Abiku, you see her, like, nod, and then close the distance even more, and now she's right next to you. I'm working on that. That is okay. Everyone is allowed to have their... I wasn't saying... I didn't mean in the literal physical sense. I'm sorry. I'm usually more direct. I meant in the like emotional sense, but it was demonstrated in the physicality of your distance from me. But if you have a bigger personal bubble, I don't want to offend your sensibilities. No, you do not offend me, Abiku. I find you quite pleasant. Oh, well, that is good. It seems like we are expected to work together. And she kind of, like, leans back against the stone. We are to be working together. So, you have bad dreams? Often, yes. I don't know, it's... You ever have a bad dream, Abiku? I do not dream. You do not? No. It's kind of like what we do right now. Like you and me, sitting here, talking. But I see it when I sleep. Except it's not as pleasant as sharing your company, of course. Oh, that's okay. Ooh, that seems like it could be confusing. I just... When I sleep, I see something frightening. And what feels like something terrible. Hmm. And it feels like that no matter what I do, this is going to happen. Regardless of whether I like it or not. Maybe not now, or tomorrow, 
but a day that will come. Well, then it is good we met each other, because I can help you stop it. There is a gentleness that kind of melts a little bit as you say that. You want to help me stop it? You did not think you would do it alone, did you? There were others, I suppose. Hmm. Well, I guess if we are sharing... So, I was dead, we think? But then I came back... But, as you know, that's not, like, a thing that happens, apparently, I am told. Not very typically, no. I will reinforce that. Not very typically. Uh, so, I feel like I came back to help do something important, and if you are having dreams that are the future, maybe we are supposed to help each other. Maybe we are. That's a wider smile that she has. That is very comforting to know that you'd be at my side, I must say. Well, I like you, and if you need help, I am quite strong. She inches a little closer now, and if you let her, her shoulder will be, like, inches away from yours. Oh, yeah. I would like to offer the same to you. Said it yourself, you don't recall or dream, and apparently were once dead, if that's... Have I gotten all the conditions correct? Yes, that is the, uh, what is the word? Hypothesis? Hmm. If there's a way I can help you. Is there a way you could, like, help me remember things? Or, like, see, you know, what I can do? Because I, I don't know if there's other stuff I can do that I haven't figured out yet. Oscar's gonna look at you. Will you require a roll for this, uh, my benevolent GM? What are you trying to do? I think Vasca is going to, like, tilt her head at Biku and just go... Because she's skilled in soul magic, and she understands yes. that as, like, energy, like, soul energy. Yes. And the soul is an entirety of a person, so is there a way to, like, pull yes, there that is. energy? Yes. Uh, roll Arcana for me. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, 30, 20. I think how this works is where you have to be in physical contact with a Biku for this to work, to be able to read her soul or parse it. So how are you doing that? I think she kind of like swims to face a Biku. How comfortable are you with magic? Oh, very? It's just, it's, what do you, magic how? I work within soul energy and power I think if I were to touch you and read the energy along your body I might be able to parse something oh uh, you'd let me y yes that would yes that yes that is yes that that is that yes that would be yes Abiku's gay awakening. <laughs> gay stammering. <laughs> I think Vasca starts, like, steps a little closer and will start by placing a thumb against Abiku's forehead with her left hand, and her right hand is down past the nape of your neck onto that part, the crook of your shoulder. And it's just going to try and, like, feel your soul's energy between your forehead and your body and see where that leads her. So Vasca, every person's soul has a color. 
And when you pull people's souls up to look at them, usually what happens is kind of like an aurora borealis seeps out through the pores of their skin and sort of wavers in front of them. That does not happen with a biku. As you place one thumb on her forehead and another on her clavicle and feel through her body, you feel flesh and bone, blood stagnant, not flowing, a heart that doesn't beat. You feel musculature and nerves and ligaments and joints and livers and organs and tracts and systems and a brain. But the soul is missing. She's not, um, soulless, like the empty beasts you've encountered, right? Or like constructs that artificers make. It's missing. Uh, It's like walking into a beautiful palace that is Abiku's body uh, and seeing that all of the furniture has been removed. You've never experienced anything like this before, and that's saying a lot as a soul magician of your stature. It's very concerning. Very concerning. Have I ever heard of so this has never happened like like someone's soul being taken the only other instance really that's academically documented in your field of work uh where people would take their souls out of their bodies is in pursuit of lichdom uh which is very common in sulong where aspiring liches have to do a ritual where they create a phylactery uh which binds their soul to an object Uh, or something other than their body. So if they die physically, their body would just reform because their soul refuses to go to the after. That's the only other instance you can really think of a soul missing from a person's body and the person still being able to walk and talk. The odd thing about this is that if Abiku were... It doesn't make sense for Abiku to be a lich because she shows no great proclivity toward, like, destructive necromantic magic, which is what liches can do. This makes no sense. Vasca kind of, like, looks very puzzled very visibly puzzled and she's just kind of like purses her lips and she goes I do not quite understand what's going on here well I I don't either actually your hands feel quite nice there's a very soft smile when you say that and she kind of like I think at this point like her hand is like just above your chest where your heart would be if mm-hmm. you would allow. Mm-hmm. And she, there's like, there's almost like a moment where she like caresses it. And she's just like, she looks at you with like these, the gentlest eyes you've ever seen Vasca have up to this point because you didn't really know each other. Maybe once I understand this more, I could tell you more. Oh, I'm sorry. Is, no, that is okay. This Is this the magic or... You want this was not like a flirting thing. Oh, um, no, no, I meant I meant the magic. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, she laughs. She just chuckles and laughs and uh, kind of like looks at you and just like strokes your shoulder. And she goes, "You are delightful." Thank I you. Hope I find answers for you soon. I would also like that, but I appreciate you trying. Now keep trying. I promise. Well, we will... I, I promise we will defeat your nightmare monster thing one day. <laughs> and then you won't have nightmares. Believe you. And I think, like, this is this really cute, like, tender moment. She, like, takes your hand and just, like, leans against you and chilling out in the hot tub, should you allow it. 
Uh, I think on this scene, like, the mists thicken once again, right? And, like, net over the two of you until we see nothing but opaque white. Uh, and then we hear Costas' voice coming from, like, far away. Abiku! Vasca! Vasca! Abiku! Hey! Hey! Abiku! Vasca! W- wake up! Uh, and, poof, right, the mists clear immediately. And we see Vasca and Abiku, both of you, still, like, standing kind of, like, dumbstruck in front of this crystal. And Costas is sort of, like, running, like, between the two of you, like, trying to, like, pat- batting your faces and, like, waving a hand in front of your eyes until you come back into your bodies. Hey! 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 <sighs> you guys have got to stop entering, like, weird memory trances without me! I'm feeling fucking left out! I mean, you could enter one, you keep not looking at the crystals. Why I, I I'm not ready for that level of really? vulnerability yet. Well, then why is that our fault? You left me behind. Next time we look into a crystal, how about you come and watch with us? <sighs> Sounds like a weirdly intimate invitation. Mm-hmm. What you peer lovingly into crystals often. I am with good company. Do you not want to be intimate with us? I thought we had grown quite close. Well, all, all three of us? At I don't see why not. Same time? Oh, you thought I meant... Well, I meant that too, but I meant more so with the crystals. But I'm not into that. That's not what I'm... I wouldn't... Ew. I mean, I see I see hey. you as like a younger sister and Vasca as like, I don't know, like a, like a g- g- grandma. That is a, not a good lie, but you could try again. I d- I'm not lying. And you see, like, the right side of, like, Costas' face is starting to turn red. <laughs> I, I don't think you have to lie. I think it is very clear we all have liked Vasca at some point. I don't that, know why you have to. I've, uh, Va- Vasca, I've never. I don't My like My whole you. memory was just about that, so I don't. What? What? <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, I don't not like you. I mean, you're attra- attractive. But you're not, like, I'm not, like... They are just uh, going to be like this now. <laughs> you see... Shut up, Abiku! <laughs> you see, Vasca, um, should Costas allow it, like, just, like, trace a finger, um, mm. like, close to their chin. Just be like, mm. it's okay, Costas, it's alright. I think Abiku's just teasing you. Okay, you think it's m- uh, fun for them? Um, uh-huh, uh-huh, um... We, uh, um, uh, <sighs> you see, like, if, if you almost swear to God, like, you see, like, their, their icy side, like, steam a little bit, uh, as they, like, like, let out, like, a deep breath, and ooh, they, like, shudder from where you, like, touch their Incredible. chin. I have a question. Yes. Can Ibiku insight if Vasco was lying in the past getting this memory? Yes, you can. Vaska, if you'd like to try to hide Vaska it, better. Vaska, you can try to roll a contested check if you want to, but you also don't have to. I'm going to say no. I'll let the GM okay. set the DC. Okay, go for it. Twenty-five. <laughs> Twenty-five. You've dug your own grave there, Valiant. Uh, so. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, I would what... have to roll a nat twenty to beat that, so <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell Abiku what she glimpses with a twenty-five? I think there's a distinct difference between when you knew Vasca then and now, and the Vasca you know now 
not that she's lied to you in this year. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think that's what catches you. Is you've never seen Vasca use a speech pattern or speak in that. Vasca's very direct with you, mm-hmm. and with Costas to a certain extent. She like she's not one to be too artistic unless she's trying to tell a story or sing you a song. This memory does not feel at all like how Vasca speaks to you. There is hesitation. There is reservation. I just, like, cock that for now. As, like, Vasca's yeah. doing her whole thing with Costas, and then Kabiku just kind of, like, looks at the crystal, looks at the crack where she punched the wall, looks at all the crystals where this person was running and looks at Vasca and just, like, we should get going. Uh, we yeah, sh- mm-hmm, yes, agreed. Seconded, third, thirded. Not that the three, not that we, not, hmm. Uh, And I think, like, if we ever get consent, I'm down. That's all I was saying. No, no, no. Like, Costas lets out a shriek of horror at that. Uh, And I think, cutting through this, all of this, uh, Vasca, I think you, you, as you're, like, laughing at their antics, right? Uh, You hear, like, one of the um, golden threads, like, glowing about your head uh, pulsates, glows brighter. uh, And a voice stringing along it, like, uh, pearls on a necklace uh travel down this thread and into your ear and you just hear this like voice filling you up like a snow on a blustery winter day Vasca 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 come my paragon I can feel you now come Silently walks. I think maybe because Costas is closer to Vasca at this point, Vasca just kind of like tilts her ear and just mutters yes to, I guess, to these two, to nothing, and just walks on. Costas goes, uh, yes, to, to, to what? To the, to, uh, to, uh? It's uh, up to you. You could grow. I mean, have hold on, wait, let's or... talk about this. Uh, and, like, Costas starts booking it after you, right? And uh, I see my beacon, you follow. Yeah. And as you walk, like, mesmerized, entranced, following the beckoning voice of, of destiny, which feels and sounds like swirling snow uh, and, and deep, silent, immobile winter all at once, the voice continues to call to you, uh, calling you down this crystal corridor. Vasca, come. The long dark is almost over. My paragon, quick, come to me. And then the voice of your god, Vasca, is cut off abruptly. A thread severed violently into oblivion. And you see this like beautiful, like golden, like light that was like bouncing along and like guiding you. It just like suddenly just vanishes, sort of like down the line, down the vein, right? Snuffed out. Almost like something, uh, cut it. I think to Vasca in her head, it almost sounds like if you were to, like, cut violin or, like, guitar strings. It is just this jerky, like, terrible pinging sound. And she just, like, grabs her head. And I just see it sever, right? But, like, I knew the direction it was leading me to. Unsheaths the longsword for the first time. 
to the rest of y'all this entire journey through this temple and books it. And and I think before she books it, she turns, she goes, something's wrong, and just runs. Whoa, whoa. Uh, okay. And Costas, like, unsheaths, like, the double swords crossed across their back, right? They, like, look up at you. Abiku, and you, like, feel, like, you know, heartbeat starts to pump, like, some shit's about to go down. Come on. They need us. Yes, Abiku gets her bow out and starts running, and then, like, as she's running next to her, like, son appears and, is, and starts running booking it okay yeah the three of you book it down this corridor which eventually terminates right like a beautiful awning a threshold of just colorful crystals rhyming open a uh aperture you push past it you cross the threshold into the beating heart of jinka's vigor uh the central chamber uh, of this temple has various uh entrances into it uh, like I described it, sort of like various branches uh, of a snowflake all feed into this like terminal fractal spiral. Uh, it's a massive, like icy chamber with these like little like pock marks, little uh, outcroppings of crystal here and there. You see garlands of winter vines and uh, deep winter flowers blooming amidst like ice and, and, and the frost and the snow. And sort of like at the, the center of this chamber, maybe uh, 50 feet away from you, uh, up atop like a kind of a raised uh, dais, if you will, uh, is a, what I can only really describe as a, a glowing needle, like a large glowing uh, needle uh, with blue and white thread wrapped around it. And it just is sort of spinning and spinning and spinning like a spindle. And you see all of these like threads of light floating through all of these various crystalline corridors through one of which you had just dumped yourselves out of are these like glowing threads of of light that are like weaving around this needle. Uh, And you also see like other threads coming in from other portals as well, like presumably the ones that feed the barrier also uh, spinning and weaving themselves around this needle, almost like it's a maypole, right? Like with various threads coming off of it and it's spinning and spinning and spinning with invisible dancers weaving this thread and unweaving it and spooling it and unspooling it. It would be beautiful, breathtaking, if not for uh, uh, two other things. One of the two things uh, is this immense sense of pressure. Basically, as you continued further down the corridor, Abiku and Costas, the two of you would feel it first and the most intimately. Uh, Like you're hitting a wave of force. Like you're suddenly just wading through uh, waves of pure marble, uh, tar, molasses. You're fighting through this like static, shimmery shock of some invisible force preventing you from moving as fast as you want. Vasca, you're spared from this, uh, but you also feel it. It's like a, it's like being at the bottom of a swimming pool, right? With like gallons and gallons of water being poured into it, pressing down on you. It's hard to stand up even. And Abiku, I think even though you're tall and you're strong and you're muscular and you've got your bow drawn, it's almost like your, your shoulders are hunching over. Uh, and this like pressure is like building down on your chest and pressing down on your shoulders and it compressing your ribcage and making it kind of hard to breathe. All of your heartbeats begin to like raise like even against your will like your pulse begins to rise and rise you begin to sweat uh sweat perforates through the pores of your skin abiku you begin to trickle down your temple even though you don't have a heartbeat the sluggish blood in your body almost seems to roil and and seethe and and roar uh like tides beckoning uh to the stars and um this of course is the force of magic emanating from the needle which is the god shard of nitbuza 
The other thing that is very, very off about the situation is the Black Star. You see the monster you had bested with ease uh, at the entrance of Jinka's vigor in here now. How it got in here, you have no idea, but it's gotten bigger. Uh, you see it's much bigger than the size of a person like it used to be. It's perhaps the size of the maypole. Uh, this huge, just sort of permutating, glitching almost, like constantly like pulsating, like a beating heart of black, like shard and, and static. It is dancing almost uh, around Nitbuza's god shard. It's just sort of like rolling on its spokes around it. And every time it rolls, it severs more of the threads. And Nitbuza is spinning in the middle, desperately trying to weave more thread and, and pull more magic around herself to protect herself. But this thing, the more thread it severs, the bigger it gets and the stronger it gets and the faster it gets as it continues to just sort of like like whirl around Nitbuza like some sort of like incensed black disc. Roll initiative. I got a nine. I'm just going to stick with it. 17. Vasca, you go first. What do you do? Oh, oh great. So, terrible thing threatening. Um, my god. Uh, I am running up. Like, this is this is bad news. Um, and because it is winding and spinning um, around Nibuza, I think yes. what she wants to do is... Uh, cast Bane on it and to kind of like okay. just slow it down and what that looks like is um, she brings up the flute to her lips and she just plays this like beautiful to everyone else but like this the minute the magic swirls around the flute and as it enters the beast it is this cacophonous horrific sounds more like screaming it's almost like she is tethering soul magic of what screaming and what bane and what poison feels like within your body. I have a charisma saving throw, maybe. I don't know. Sure, against what, DC? Uh, 17. This thing is not very charismatic. It rolled a 17, but has a negative modifier, so it fails. <laughs> yes! That was my action. Um, I think uh, movement just to try and get up as close to uh, Nibusa as possible so that she can fight this thing. Yeah, you like play this music and like this cacophonous sound just sort of like like a wind tunnel blasts its way like through like this tightening weave magic and this like severing void oblivion empty magic that's swirling around in this chamber cuts through all of it and sort of like hits the side of this of the black mm -hmm. star and it sort of knocks it off balance a little bit right it like wobbles on its like many fold like spokes and spikes and legs and it like catches itself after a moment right and it slowly mm -hmm. continues to like jitter around Nibuza, but like like more lethargically right and like Nibuza is able to generate more threads than it's cut for now right as you like rush forward uh, I think uh, I just remembered bardic inspiration is a thing um, so I think while, while once that Bane has taken hold We'll look over at Abiku and just play like a really triumphant flute noise that Abiku would recognize is whenever she wants to encourage you further or, if you, or every time you've ever done a cool hit. Sometimes when Vasca's feeling a little playful, we'll play a little triumphant little flute sound. Uh, and by classically conditioning you to think that this sound is awesome and cool, <laughs> bardic inspiration, it's a D10. Nice. Hell yeah. Speaking of Abiku, your turn now. Whoa. Okay. What weird initiative we wrought. Uh, 
I'm, I pre-roll, I always predetermine initiative for my combatants. Oh, I gave fair. this one a one for a reason. Okay, I that makes me so. I'm, no, I wish I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna shoot shoot this thing with my bow. That's what I'm good at. Okay, first shoot, fifteen. That would not hit. Uh, but you can choose to roll damage anyway if you want. I'll just nah. get to store a reaction. Okay. I'll just take the L. <laughs> You'll take I'll the L. I'll just okay. take the L. <laughs> I get. I got a second one. How about a twenty-four? That does not hit. Uh, would you like to take the L or would you like to roll damage? Are you serious? I'll take the L and okay. we'll use my bonus action to tell Sun to go attack it. Okay. So what does it look like as you're stringing your magical bow and try to hit this thing? I think it is. A, so we like kind of ran in here and I think I see Vasca run up, like just like run up to it. And I think it's almost like my shots are like to keep it because from roll like just like rolling over Vasca. Like I'm like missing, but it's like trying to like get it to weave so it doesn't hit Vasca or so it comes for me or something because this is like her thing. So I think that is I what like Vasca's thinking. Yeah, you like string your bow and you're like trying not to hit Vasca and as you do like several of your arrows miss. Uh I don't like to treat attacks as just like one or two attacks. I think it's like a series of attacks. I think that's cooler. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of arrows miss, but then like a couple of them glance off of this thing, but they just sort of glance off, like ping off of it. Because it's generating a lot of torque and a lot of like momentum and speed, and it just sort of like your arrows just can't get past it. As it's just sort of and it seems to have gotten over its momentary lethargy at this point, and is beginning to pick up speed again, like around Nibuza, right? And severing a bunch of threads as like the Nibuza spindle and, and, and thread and needle begin to just sort of like revolve, revolve and unspool and get a little unstable in the center of the dais. Uh, Sun runs forward. Uh, yes. What do you tell Sun to do? Sun, see if you can slow it down so I can hit it. And you hear Sun's voice in your head go, you got it. I'm gonna bite this thing to shreds. And you see, like, some, like, launch themselves, like, up into the air and try to attack it. So roll for sun. 26? Okay, that will just hit. Uh, So roll damage. 15 lightning damage from sun's infused bite. Okay. A sun launches at this thing, like, as it's in the middle of its revolution, and just, Mm. like, tackles it. And uh, we see, like, golden lightning shoot out from sun's jaws as sun lashes onto this thing and begins, like, gnawing and scratching at it. We see, like, several shards of obsidian glass explode outward from contact from where sun lashed onto this asterisk. Uh, It continues to move, but sun is on it now as it's like moving well, around and sun's perfect. like sort of tumbling almost like a like a dog on top of a rolling ball like this to like great. not get crushed underneath it right as and it's like scrabbling on it as it continues to like roll around abuse a shard is that the end of your turn i is there somewhere i can like climb there are various winter hardy vines hanging off of the walls as well as like columns of crystal take your pick I feel like I can't stand on a vine to a column of crystal. Okay. I, I can climb 35 feet if that if I can use my movement. I'm just going to climb up 35 feet if I can. Holy shit, yeah. I think there's sort of like a, a an arched pillar of crystal sort of forming like ribs of this place, like a vaulted mm-hmm. ribs that like hold up like the roof of this cavern. And you like start to climb up it, like almost like it's like a really vertical bridge. You like climb up onto it and you start like huffing your way like up it. And you can see like 30 feet, 35 feet downward, uh, maybe 40 feet downward. You see like the centerpiece of the action here by the end of your turn. Uh, is that all you do? I will vantage arrows. It's better. Costas just sort of shouts out, Yep, cover me! Uh, and Costas is going to run 
uh, they launch themselves over Vasca, right? And they like have their, like their swords drawn. They're definitely like a frontline brawler, I think, between the three of you. And they smash down uh, on this thing. So I'm gonna have Casas roll a couple of attacks here. Neither of them hit, but Costas is gonna choose to deal damage. So it's gonna give this thing two stored reactions. Mm-hmm. Costas uh, launches themselves down onto the star, and they do like an X, kind of like an X scissor situation. They like slash down and like bisect this thing, and we see like larger chunks than when like sun bit in, like of like obsidian glass just shatter outward. And we hear this like horrific screeching, ringing noise when this thing takes damage, like steel edges scraping against each other, worse than nails on a chalkboard. Right, it's just like edges just as Costas like lands, slices the chunks, waits, like jumps back as it like does another revolution and like calculates the trajectory and makes another like takes another swing as it comes back again for their second attack and like chops off like another like like a spoke of it. As Sun continues to like 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 climb on it and like continue to bite, like and is sort of like balancing on top of it. And Costas just sort of shouts, Vasca, this thing is a lot stronger than the first time we fought it. What what should I do? It's never the threat. Now. The threat? There's so many threads, Vosco. Which one? Is there one that I can parse? Like it's it's multiple, isn't there? It's just like I, I, I... interesting. Um, it seems to be rolling on a track. Okay. So if you can like disrupt its like movement somehow, that's probably your mm-hmm. best bet. If you knock it off course, because it mm-hmm. seems to be like gathering speed and momentum and traction uh, as okay. it continues on this track and severing, you know, the threads around this maypole of Nitbuza. Yeah, I think like she's pausing her her flute, and I think this is the moment when she's looking like the most thrown off, and she's just gonna like look at Costas and just goes, "The track, stop its movements." Track. Okay, yeah, you got it. Let me just try to... Uh, and I need all of you to make a constitution saving throw. Oh, no. 18. 11. 18. 11. Okay, they all of you fail with that. Uh, so y'all are going to take a little bit of damage. Let me just... This is, this is snitch. 22 points uh, of slashing damage. As this thing, which was sort of like gathering speed and its revolutions around it, Buza sort of seems to vibrate. And all all of the chunks uh, that were also like spread across the floor from Sun and from Costas also sort of vibrate. Uh, and it uh, expands and spikes outward. Uh, sort of like a sea urchin, right? Just sort of mm. like the, the spikes just elongate and shoot in every direction. And they pierce through each of your bodies in a certain way. If you'd taken damage from this thing when you fought it before, uh, it's the same kind of slashing damage now. It, uh, it's not, (laughs) this material is immaterial. It's like you're being shot through by shadow, by a pure spike of void, of oblivion. This isn't steel, this isn't iron, uh, this isn't even bone uh, or copper or bronze. This is just antimatter. It's lack. And it smashes through each of you and pierces in every direction. Uh, so why don't each of you tell me it's magical slashing damage, uh, where it pierces through your body. Let's start with the Biku. Oh, it 100% pierces where her heart is, should be, question mark. Yikes. Yeah, just a, like a massive like tendril thread of the spike just goes right through your sternum. Vasca? I think it is on like her, her bicep, where her biceps would be. And that like stops her playing. Um, mm. 
and you just hear like this really discordant uh, note come up from she has to wince from pain and then as she doubles down the spikes would hit her legs as well Mm-hmm. I like that. You, you take a knee, maybe, yeah. or like in a yeah. cool way, right? And I push the spikes go through you. Uh, and through Costas, they like pierce through Costas's like the the frozen side of their face. Uh, they reel backward, right? And they like pierce through the other side of their chest where their pauldron is, right? And they like uh-huh. stagger backward. Sun is thrown off, uh, like just flies through the air in an arc, gets pierced midair, and they like clatter to the ground and the bones scatter a little bit uh, before they like vibrate weakly and like reform. I think uh, if Sun still has enough hit points to fight and after like that expansion uh each spoke just sort of like just comes back into its central mass again and there's no the maybe the worst part of this is it doesn't leave anything behind in your bodies uh it just takes some of your health away like there isn't even a hole in your bodies from where it hit you there's just sort of like a sense of like lethargy uh and necrotic energy just veining through you and the next reaction it's gonna do, because that was uh, that was one, uh, is the broken off shards just on the ground all around it vibrate, right? It's been vibrating this entire time and they lift up uh, all around you, levitating, right? Like granules of black dust just all around you and shoot toward it to rejoin the central mass. And as it does that, I need all of you to make a deck save to avoid getting hit by this. Uh, 19. Uh, well, Sun got a synthetic 20 and I got, oh, I have a lot of decks, wait, as you mean. A tw- 12, 12 doesn't save. Uh, Abiku, you don't save, but with a 19 and a synthetic 20, that is a save. So on a save, it's half damage. Full damage is going to be 26 points again of magical slashy damage. Okay. As right. the dust just I am like, not through good. the air and recorporates into its body. That's going to be the end of its turn. We are going to go back, back to the top of the order with Vasca. Ouch. That hurt a lot, actually. What I would like to do is as Vasca is on her knees and having to like kind of like roll over getting hit by this the second like springing of magical energy um she would like I want to use shatter in a very different way <laughs> than is intended um I would like to like as the track is moving like play a discordant melody on her flute and channeling like her own soul magic at a high enough frequency to shatter the track. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay, it has to make a save, right? Wow, it fails the hell out of it. Thanks to... Um, the, D, the D4, I rolled a three on it, so... Yeah, so but, uh, what happens? Uh, so I think what Vasca is just angry and her eyes are now laser-focused and just ice-cold as she brings the flute out and to every to Abiku and causes us the prize, there's no beautiful melody. It is discordant, it is screechy, um, haunting, and as she's channeling this, instead of the usual blue-black wisps that, that channel out of her, it is black and red, and it is just discordant, and it almost sounds like people, souls, screaming all at once at different discordant tunes and you see the areas of like what seemed to be crystal what seemed to be ice on this track crack and shatter and then split apart sending this beast um kind of turboing past and skidding away from where um nibuta's god shark is really into that so roll damage 17 
points. Whoa, that's pretty good. Uh, the track, quote unquote, that it's on, like cracks, right? In like a circle around the dais, right? We see like fissures crack and splinter and spider web open underneath its spokes. And it like, it one of its like spikes lodges into a crack and knocks it off balance. You know, it like sort of turbo like spins onto its side, but it continues to skitter. Uh, almost like a, a, a welding blade uh, that's like suddenly fl- flung off the machine and it's just sort of like ricocheting all over the workshop is kind of what's happening here. It likes like, like a fucking Beyblade uh, of death. Like it like <laughs> falls onto its, its like many fold sides and begins to skitter all around the chamber. Like it's huge like claws and spokes and legs tearing up chunks of ice and crystal as it goes like careening all over the place. Hell yeah. For my bonus action, I think Vosca is just kind of like, oh, ouch, everything hurts. Um, and just kind of like, like a DJ doing like a sharp riff off of their disc, uh, is going to change back to a different tune, a different song. Um, and I would like to use my Tales from Beyond to determine a tale. So while holding my focus, I use my bonus action to uh, expend my Bardic Inspiration and roll on the Spirit Tales table. I know we didn't get to write Ooh. one yet. A five. Tale of the Aven- Avenger. Yes. For one minute, any creature that hits the target with a melee attack takes force damage equal to a roll of your bardic inspiration die. Okay. So you're targeting a Biku, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. As you, like, like flute out this tale, are you drawing on a specific Andakan parable? Or are you letting the raw magic here, like, influence what comes out? I think Vasca is not in a creative headspace whatsoever and cannot remember parables. So I think she's literally just channeling every thread here, every feeling here, every emotion here. Um, and as she's thinking and like of an Avenger, she's thinking about protecting Abiku and allowing Abiku that space to defeat this beast. I think she just imagines like Abiku being filled with magic and power and it's just getting back up again it's that that moment in the story where the underdog gets back up again and that's the feeling mm. that is rest that mm. she's trying to get through i like that uh, and because avenger i think what happens here is uh i think you're sort of roaring and ballooning out of your flute as you do that Vosca is sort of like the ghostly spiritual like soul imbued magically like torrentious form uh, of a bearded uh dwarven woman uh she's like it seems to be riding the crest of like of a tsunami wave and she's sort of arched like upward like one stout arm like gripping onto a leomano which is sort of like a sickle like a, a club studded with shark teeth she looks on and she like launches forward toward a biku with your magic and like smashes through a biku like uh invigorating wave not to hurt her but to like strengthen her and like the last thing you hear like before this like ghostly version of like a dwarven woman is her being like let me help you out there brother and she like blasts through it uh and if you want to voska you can roll history 17 the name ikaika hekili ikaika hekili just sort of sparks, smashes uh, like Tidewater to the front of your mind uh, as she's like phases through a Biku. There's like a moment where I think you, Vasca, as you see this happen, are thrown back to that uh, bloodied battlefield. Sundered sky, crimson, blood, red atmosphere, eyes open on every horizon, dozens, thousands, hundreds of thousands, a myriad of eyes, wings uh, perforated through with eyes, feathery, white, radiant wings, the stranger, this thing 
that was sent here taller than the world, taller than Andaki. It's just the eight of you left here. It's just you, Jinka. It's just you and your siblings, the other paragons here to face off against the stranger, and you feel an invigorating hand clap your shoulder. You look down, and you look down into the smiling, bearded face of Ikaika, paragon of Mahu. And she says, don't worry, brother. I got your back. And we poof. Flash back to the present as you see that ghostly visage of Ikaika crash through Abiku, the Avenger. And Abiku, you feel invigorated, like seawater swirling around you, carrying you down a torrent. And at the end of your turn, Vasca, is that the end of your turn? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, at the at the end I, of your I, turn. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, the Black Star, which was, like, Beyblading all over the place, like, bouncing off of, like, pillars, like, off outcroppings, off of crystal, uh, severing, like, thick, hardy winter vines all around you. The chamber begins to shake, like, little, like, bits of, like, rock and crystal and ice begin to, like, like, rain down from the ceiling. This thing slams into the base of the crystalline arched, uh, pillar that Abiku was balancing on top of Abiku make a deck save. What have I done? Uh, don't worry, I'm a ranger. That's... 22? Uh, the pillar underneath you shatters and breaks. Sick. But you're able to, like, uh, you won't take fall damage, let's say, with your 22. You're able to land on your feet. Unfortunately, where your feet is, is this monster. Is Spike. <laughs> is Spikes. Uh, so I need you to make a... Oh, uh, Jesus. Uh, Constitution saving throw. So, oh, that bounced on my box. So I think how it looks when I don't take the fall damage, I think it's like a tuft of like hot air. I'm like falling and it's like, and I'm floating for a bit. And then I like land on my feet. And in a split second of thinking like, what just happened? I like realize I'm on spikes. I got a one. <gasps> Is that a natural one or unnatural? A natural one. Okay. I'm gonna have you take double dice. Oh. That means. In Deuces. bullet time, Bosca. <laughs> Even as you see Ikaika's form, like, wash through Abiku, the pillar shatters. <laughs> Colorful crystals go splintering in every direction in bullet time. One, like, cuts your cheek. You're, like, like right past you, and you see blowing past you with these huge chunks. And Abiku is impaled. Because this thing is like an urchin, like a sea urchin, an asterisk, a star. Can we say that you, f you fall, like, flat on your back, and you're sort of like, ugh, like, you arch upward? And like yeah, you're impaled absolutely. that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like a falling angel. A Biku just, as you see, just spikes of void like oblivion just pierce through her body. And she's like impaled on top of this thing. Vasca, the black star pulsates like an asterisk of death come to life, uh, like some sort of horrific sea urchin shooting up spears of pure obsidian void light. But more so than that, you see a biku topple through the air, twist around, and then get completely shunted over each of these spears of darkness. Uh, and I think through like the whipping wind of Nithbuza's spindle in the middle of this cave, over the howling icy gusts, over even Costas's blood-wrenching, curdling scream of Abiku! I think time just sort of like slows down as you see your friend's eyes fly wide, like a soundless gasp escape from her solar plexus, her back arch backward off of uh, the spikes currently spearing through her body. And you see your friend begin to die. 
frankly. She's she's not doing great. Abiku on top of the Black Star, which is just sort of like like glitching out underneath her. Looks like she's in she's in a really bad spot right now, Vasca. And I think like even before your eyes, you see like Costas beginning to gun for a Biku, but like in in like bullet time, right? Like in slow motion, right? Like the furred hood of their cape like flying off their face, right? like their face like half icy, half like flesh made, like cracked open in, in fear and and despair and desperation. And I think before you can uh, make the quite proper decision to maybe go over and, and help a Biku, you feel. The god shard of Nibuza behind you is calling out for you. In the midst of this storm whipping around you like the eye of the storm cracking open and beckoning you to enter, you feel this divine radiance shooting out in icy tendrils toward you. Vasca. And you hear your own name echoing through this chamber in a voice only you can comprehend. You intuitively know no one else can hear this. Vasca. And I think there's a moment where you're on top of this, like, icy crevasse uh, with a Biku dying on one side uh, of this space. Yeah. And your destiny on the other. What do you do? Vasca's hand is trembling. Uh, the flute in her gasp as she was mid-playing through this combat. And she hears Costas yell out for Abiku. She hears, feels that the bones snapping, soundless gasp escape out of Abiku's mouth and freezes. Hands trembling, arms trembling, eyes darting around, calculating, calculating, figuring out what to do next. She hears this voice calling to her. The cool voice beckoning her towards destiny. The destiny she's known, that she's recognized, that she realized many, many moons ago. And here she is, hot once more, split into the same way it was split into the night she left Atlanta. And a choice has to be made. She must empty herself of her, of everything, of everyone, of this world, and all material things linked within it. And she f has this moment where her body hardens, her heart hardens, heart cold, freezes over, as she turns on her heel dropping her flute down back to her side, holding it to her right hand, and marches towards the god shard. As you turn your back on a biku and approach your destiny, right, uh, clenching your flute in one hand, you feast your eyes upon the god shard. It is a spindle of pure light, just radiating divinity. I think these threads of all these possible realities, these memories, right? These senses and emotions just whipping around the spindle like an out of control song. You walk through this like wall of wind uh, that's that's been protecting the god shard and you just, you pass right through it. Uh, but your robes, I think your hair, right? Like everything around you that's loose 
begins to like flap and like whip like a flag in like the middle of a storm tossed sea. Mm -hmm. And as you get closer and closer to this god shard, your feet stepping over this like icy, rocky ground, you feel it. Nibuza is pulling at you, is, is calling for you. There's no other way to describe it. It's like something within your body is rising up out of your pores, singing through your skin, trying to harmonize with, you realize, a kind of song uh, that's being sung out from this god shard. And this song resonates with you on a soul level, right? It's deeper than bone, deeper than marrow, deeper than even grief and longing and lust and love. It is soul song. Uh, and I think as you as you approach, uh, the voice calls out to you again, right? Through like this cracked azure blue white, like glowing light shimmering out from the god shard. Vasca. Vasca. It's time. I'm here. I'm here. For destiny has called me. I'm here. Uh, at this point, I think you get close enough to the base of the spindle that your face is like lit up, right? Like with all the life, like we see that your hair has been like blown back, like out of your eyes, right? Like your like scarves, robes, whatever, like everything's just flapping all around you. But it also feels weirdly peaceful, right? Like you're in the eye of the storm now and everything around you sort of fades away. You can hear Costas's screams, right? Like somewhere in the distance, but you're able to blot them out. Like there's someone banging on like a thick, like glass wall that you've erected around your heart. You look at this glowing, formless, spindle-like shard and it says to you, it's, Time, Vasca, time for you to become my paragon. And I am ready. I need one final thing from you before our souls can fully enmesh themselves. Ask it. All that I am, all that I will be is yours. One final request, Vasca. A story. A story. I'm. Vasca is a little rattled at this, just sealing up the heart. A true storyteller has to have some level of softness, and to be asked for a story in this moment after Vasca has erected a wall around every feeling imaginable. She's stunned, she, she's flabbergasted, she's um, out of control. And she finds herself fumbling through her, her side pockets, pulls out a leather-bound book, journal, that she clumsily opens and flips the pages, these worn pages, and what is a story a paragon says that a final thing a, par a, a would-be paragon would say to their deity? What, what, what could she say? What could she tell? Of course, courage, courage. Of course it is. A story of courage, of facing destiny head on, regardless of the, of the losses that come from you. Courage isn't being a wolf. There are enough wolves here. Courage is to walk amidst them, daring to remain a deer. 
there there's like a silence as like the wind continues to whip around you and you almost hear like your own voice echoing through i think the gale right like in different pitches and different tones and different echoes different harmonies but something about them still feels a little dissonant and the voice from the buza comes again no another one another another one um she fumbles between her, her pages once more. Uh, not courage, not courage. What, some, a story about time. A story about like how stories are immortal. This Nibusa is a god of stories and the immortality of stories. And she begins this short tale of a, a young person venturing out into the world in search of stories in search of different cultures and experiences, leaving behind all that they were, all that they cared about, in search of a greater story, and how, after all of that, at the end of all ends, upon their deathbed, they are immortalized. Their stories are immortalized, for they live in the hearts of every single person they've ever touched. And she narrates this story fiddling with her flute as she does, animating almost as, she, as she's telling the story, using that shard of magic to animate the story, to bring it to life, hoping that would be enough, if not courage, immortality. Your voice, yet again, sort of bounces back to you, like from like the various spinning threads around the spindle. Uh, and, you know, there are little bits of harmony, uh, little bits of, of, yes, resonance, but also dissonance still. Uh, your story of courage, your story of immortality, both rejected? Uh, and this god shard says back to you for a, a, a third and perhaps final time. No. Vaska, a story from the heart. And you see the threads continue to spin all around you, and you see your own face, right? Like, reflected in these panels, like a very fast-moving shards of glass that move so quickly that they don't- they seem to be still. So you almost, like, see your own reflection, like, wavering, like, on the surface of a pond. And your own reflection ripples over, and you see for a split second Atalanta's face. This, like, pitch-blue triton face with these horns curling out of her forehead. Uh, an expression of grief struck across her eyes. This is the face, the final look she gave you before you left her, right? And then it ripples over to, like, find your own face in the present right now with your hair whipping around your eyes. How could I ever forget that face? This frozen in my mind, my heart forever. I could never forget that look and my guilt and my grief and my loss but I'm doing this I, I did all this for for destiny for destiny of why am I not enough why is this not enough what I can't go there I can't go there and and Vaska in her own mind is frightened of taking that plunge but seeing Atalanta's face for a moment in that one flash two more faces flash for her, before her and it's Costas screaming it's a Biku falling and 
Whether she wants to or not, the hardened shell breaks. There's too much to feel in this moment. Too much on the line and the truth is finally surfacing. She didn't leave Atalanta for destiny. She left Atalanta to protect her. Nothing good came from these dreams, these shadows that haunt her at night, the fears in her soul. Nothing good could come of that. And by God, would she rather fade into oblivion than ever see Atalanta broken. No. Not her lover, no. Not that proud champion of Nabal. She will not allow her to fall ill falter. She longs for her. And Vasca falls to her knees. Just and, and puts down the flute, puts down this book and pulls out a small stringed instrument that um, she plays plucks at the strings tears welling in her eyes and she sings a song truly from the heart plucking at her own very heartstrings about what love is how what people say what love is that it is a river that circles the earth that it is a blessing it is a gift that it's a miracle and how she has to admit that it is and as she begins this musical crescendo with her soul magic she plucks each song a illusory visage of Atalanta proud, noble, and strong emerges behind her like a protective guardian just standing over her protectively as Voska confesses that love breaks your heart that it takes no less than everything from you and how in that and as she's singing this the moment where she leaves and walks away from Atlanta replays in this wind that's whipping around her but suddenly as she's plucking this visage of Atlanta seems to be singing along with her about how actually love liberates how it breaks the chains how it aches but the aches and the pains emerge into a beauty that is truly immortal and untouchable unbreakable and as the crescendo builds and they're harmonizing and they're singing together Vasquez in tears hitting every high note with a strained voice and soon as the song the song doesn't end beautifully it ends turbulently it is an ugly finish as she feels nothing but longing pain grief loss disappointment like a failure that even now at the precipice of all she can't protect anything she loves as she slams both her hands upon the strings of her instrument and weeps 
You sing your final cracked, broken note. Lower your instrument and tears, I think, begin to stream down your face, plopping onto the strings and the wood of your instrument as you're knelt over at the feet of a god, crying for providence. And you, I think this ghostly image of Atalanta that you'd conjured in your singing, like, is still looming over you a bit. And you feel like a ghostly, icy hand from Atalanta just sort of, like, touch your shoulder. And you feel something else caress your cheek. You know, intimately, immediately, instinctually what it is. It's a fragment of the echo of the god shard reaching out to you. You feel ghostly, icy fingers brush along your jaw, cup your chin, and gently lift it. And you peer, I think, into the swirling, radiant, cracked-open light of godhood. Good. Love, Vaska. Love has always been your tale and I know perhaps more intimately than even some of my brethren that true love is walking toward death there is grief in the shadows of affection there is and there is risk and there is reward and there is death and birth and wisdom and dreams and change and fire and war and story your story Fosca. everything you've lost everything you're fighting for is about love isn't it he hesitates her lips shaking vulnerability laid bare yes I'm honored by this destiny but I know it is selfish unbecoming of a paragon and still you are my paragon and I am your god your heart Vaska has to be open for me to live inside it. Vaska nods, eyes open, pupils wide, almost with a painful poetic irony. I can certainly do that. Then rise and all these, like, infinite strings and ropes of light swirling around you, they coalesce into one, like a massive pillar of light rising above this spindle. Like, I think we see like your pupils like shrink down from like the, the sheer like force of this radiance and then bam, poof, shoots right into your solar plexus, right, I think into this cracked part of your sternum where you feel heartbreak, but that's exactly where Nitbuza finds home for you. And poof, this like pillar of light pierces through your chest. We see it from like a side view, right? Almost like in a mirror reflection of a Biku's like chest rising up off of the black star. We see you knelt on the ground in front of the spindle. Your chest cracks open, right? Your arms are flung to either side as 
this like light just travels into you and you feel mm, there's no other way to describe this Vasca. you feel a god enter your soul it is like overstimulating it is everything at once you just see like crystal snowflakes like flash across your eyes you see every memory you've ever had happening at once uh every song you've played every idea you've had every story you've told and have been told it just is swirling through your brain it is an incomprehensible and yet completely legible coalescence of of power and destiny and meaning and i think the light finally dies down as you're like breath gasps back into your lungs, back into your body, your nerves alight, ablaze with flame and frost and, and, and life. And tell me, Vaska, as these threads of light, I think, finally seep into the center of your body and you're ensconced in like a kind of swirling radiance, right? Like a, the freaking magical girl transformation is about to happen, Vaska, right? Yeah. <laughs> like light completely cocoons around you as the threads begin to weave down, unravel and, and reveal your new form. What do we see? It's all in the details. Vaska, as she's being pummeled by ice and light and God and God shard, she is but being buffeted with these beautiful like icicle glacial uh, qualities upon her scales of her face and arms you also see that in each lock of hair each strand of hair are, are uh, interlocking pieces of ice that are just threaded in almost like they're also hair itself but icicle and frozen and as she is transforming her arms, growing colder, and blinks her eyes, they are also different. Both each eye a different color. One, just like the icicle qualities upon her arms, her chest, her face, her hair, it makes itself home in her eye as well. Mm. Yeah, the light like ribbons off of you, like you've been unwrapped, you've been reborn, right? And the light just sort of dissipates off your body. As you realize you've been picked up off the ground in the middle of this transformation and made to stand, and now your feet gently touch like this icy ground again, right? And I think like the howling wind begins to die down, right? The spindle in front of you has disappeared and the light surrounding it is gone. All of it is now inside you, Vasca. And like your hair now threaded through with these intricate threads of ice also like fall down like back around your eyes framing the top of your face and you like hit the ground a little bit and you can still feel Nitbuza's shard within you roiling like a frozen tempest she's there your soul is not just yours anymore there is an occupant within you it is a it's like having a roommate where you can have as much distance as you'd like, but vulnerability is there, your heart is laid bare. And I think for a moment, this is, an unfam is a very unfamiliar sensation. As finally, Vasca has let down every guard that she could. Mm. And in your like completely vulnerable, cracked open state, uh, you feel... I think you're still. I think you're still crying. 
right? Tears are still like streaming down your face and like almost like as they hit the ground, they turn to ice because it's so cold in here. Your breath coming out in these thick plumes of white. As you're in the middle of this, like I think you're trembling a little, like looking down at how you've changed. Mm-hmm. As your eyes flick back up, it's like you are being thrown through a wind tunnel. Uh, you almost, you have kind of like an out-of-body experience as the god shard settles down within you. Like, poof! Like, you're suddenly, like, no longer within your actual body. You see, like, everything around you just sort of, like, and there's no other way, like, narrow down. Like, you're, like, traveling down the length of a pin, you know, like a, a needle, and then, like, yeah. approaching, like, a... Approaching like a tiny, tiny, tiny hole of light at the end. Like all these, like, like this blackness swirls around you and poof. You hit the other side of this tiny, narrow tunnel to find yourself in a snowy field. All around you is just, it's completely silent and still. You know, like the, like on the eve of the first snow of winter. uh, Where the snow hasn't been disturbed by anything. Not even animal life, right? Not even like falling petals. It's just... Plain, white, beautiful, undisturbed, crystal pure snow around you as far as the eye can see. And a couple of trees, uh, evergreen trees, the smell of pine soothing your senses, right? With thick, I think, clumps of snow along the branches. It's completely still here, completely peaceful. And starlight, yes, Vosca, starlight filters in through the cracks and the breaks in the canopy. She's stunned. She's just looking around at this place. This beautiful place. The stars. Everything's fine and beautiful and peaceful. And she's confused and she trudges through the snow, the snowy field. I'm imagining like it's several inches of snow still and she is not necessarily appropriately decked out in equipment for this as she's trudging through it looking around and once she sees the cracks of the canopy and looking at starlight breaks into a bit of a jog to and eyes still glued to the top of the sky just witness that once again Mm. you reach a clearing in the snowy wood right where like the branches recede to reveal Mm. the night sky just peppered with stars exactly how you remember before the cataclysm it's beautiful like a second dawn as you stare up at this black night sky with all these little perforations that are starlight you see most prominent in the sky above you the constellation of nitabuza glowing brightly there's like a moment where you just take this in is this real life is this are you hallucinating is this a memory what is this is this a, a prophecy but a part of you doesn't care this is beautiful there's a part of you that wants to stay in this snowy glen forever and then you hear a voice ah you must be my successor huh uh Bosca kind of like eyes widen and, and turn around immediately You see, standing across this snowy clearing from you, a drow man. Uh, The same, I think, drow person uh, that you saw on the uh, door. You know what I mean? Like the door, the entrance into this temple uh, originally. And you know, like, immediately, intuitively, who this is. The former paragon of Nithbuza. She's stunned for a moment. It's happening a lot more now as she's 
feeling this vulnerability this is a lot to take in making yourself the home of a god is a lot to take in and she almost kind of like stumbles forward and uh and trying to find some sort of overlapping sense of control of i should be polite and 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 bow or something but also i have no idea what i am doing um and just kind of does like a half curtsy um and and uh, on it on a predecessor please 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 no need for all the formalities you're in my echo of a memory of a shadow of a hmm not really sure how these things work but i'm here right now and jinka da approaches you as they step into fuller view of the light, you see like their face, like like a beam of like starlight, like hits their face, and you see that Jinka is a drow. Uh, they are wearing these like robes that are like I think they're they're topless, right? But like they they've got robes wrapped around their like uh, legs as almost like trousers, like and a sash. Uh, and they, as they walk through, as they pad through the snow, you realize they're not wearing any socks or not even any shoes at all. Um, even though it's super, super cold here, mm -hmm. like, and their breath is coming out in, like, clouds, they don't seem bothered by the cold whatsoever. They've got these top surgery scars on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this, like, dark, I think, tan skin uh, that wasn't uh, reflected in the carving uh, of, of the door. Uh, and they are quite, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. They're beautiful. Uh, they've got this like short hair shaved on the sides, long down the back, almost like right like a braided mullet in a sort. And they're they've got their hands actually like tucked into the pockets of their like robe trousers, and they're like casually just striding toward you. Like this is the most normal thing in the world. I'm I'm sorry. I uh, I did not think I would meet you. Oh, wow, look at you! You're so elegant. And refined. And Jinka starts like circling you, not like predator around prey, but as like yeah. a, like an interested older sibling or something, you know, just like looking uh -huh. you up and down. Uh-huh. She she's a little like uh deer in headlights of like what is happening? I I, I suppose what is this how it is? As a paragon? I can I can speak to you. Well, there seem to be restrictions to how we can talk to each other, sister. And he stops circling you to like stand right in front of you, like so close that you can smell him. And he smells like pine and snow and a crackling wood fire. That's what he smells like. And Jinka smiles at you warmly and says, I think, um, I think we're able to talk to each other here because you've just accepted Nitbiza into your soul, eh? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, when I accepted Nidvisa into my soul, I had this whole messed up dream, vision, prophecy thing. It was, it was intense. It was intense. But hey, hey, just breathe through it. Breathe. Be, uh, uh, hearing, hearing Jinka like actually just say twice, breathe, actually like almost like a childlike wonder goes over her eyes as she goes and breathes. Did you have trial as well yeah kind of kinda I was a uh, ascetic for many many years before the war uh, well that's that's the distant past now and my memories come to me as shattered echoes of what they used to be but this this vision this talk 
It's not about me, Vasca. It's about you. I'm here to give you something. And he holds out a hand. You look down, and in his hand is a rope dart. And you flash back again to, like, the door uh, mm -hmm. where this statue of Jinka was cupping, like, this crystal arrow, and you see it now. Like, and you, you I think, realize instinctively what this must be. It's Jinka's special weapon. This was, uh, this manifested out of my soul when Nitbiza and I became one. And, um, I guess it's time to pass it on to you. Here. I, I'm honored. Thank you. And holds out her hand, like, tentatively. Still kind of stunned throughout this, this whole thing, because she had many preconceived ideas of how destiny was going to happen and how destiny was to manifest. But now destiny is here, greeting her like an old friend and handing her a power, not just a powerful item, but a powerful symbol of what it means to be a paragon of Nibutsa. And that is in her hands now, this humble heaven rope, yet an effective, heavy crystalline arrowhead on the other side, at its end of the rope. And holds it, and for some reason, somehow, feels like she's held it her whole life. Nice, right? The feeling? I feel like it is a part of me. Never wielded something like this. You'll know how to use it. It was made for you. Made for us. He nods. Can... May I ask you something? Of course. Does the burden ever get any lighter? <laughs> That's a good question, sister. I'm afraid you might not like my answer. No, it never gets easier, but you get stronger. She tilts her head, looking still upon this crystalline arrowhead, and then back up to Jinka's eyes, maintaining eye contact. That will do, I think. Hmm. <laughs> I like you. I like you. If you ever want to talk again, just find a holy site or uh, have a really intense Dark Knight of the Soul situation happen, you know? Other than that, it's kind of hard to reach uh, each other. And Jinka starts to back away, like laughing <laughs> a little humorously, like uh, propping like their hands behind their back and like backing away from you. Huh? Okay. Uh, and, like Vasquez is kind of like, what does that mean? <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, as Jinka continues to walk away, you feel mm, like you're waking up from a dream. You know, you only have moments left in the space mm -hmm. before you're woken up. Uh, like, all the trees around you begin to shimmer, like, the light begins to fade, like, everything gets kind of wobbly-wobbly. Jinka gets kind of blurry uh, as, like, his hands go up to, the, like, the back of his head, and he continues to walk backward away from you. And, like, yeah. I, I, think, I think the last thing uh, your predecessor, Jinka Da, says to you, like, before you gasp awake is, Oh, right! And don't forget, uh, being a paragon comes with some nice privileges, too. We get all the chicks. Vasca turns beet red. Um, like, almost like high schooler mentality of, like, reaching out just to be like, Oh, what do you mean by that? Um, at least <laughs> somehow, but her mind obviously flashes to Atalanta. And as her hand reaches out for Jinkada. They vanish. 
Mm. As your hand reaches out, suddenly you t- you t- you've taken a step forward, I think. And as you take a step forward in the dream, you take a step forward in real life. And you're like, your feet find solid ground. It's not like snowy earth. Uh, and you realize that in the hand that's reaching out, it's holding the rope dart. Like the hard crystalline arrowhead part of it. And your other hand has the like other coil of rope around, wrapped around its knuckles. And you're back in reality. And Nibuza, during this time while you were having this out-of-body experience, has settled down in your soul. No longer feels like a storm roiling inside your solar plexus, but more like a low, simmering, uh, frozen fire. I think as she tempers back in, reality slowly, from a dull uh, silence, the frequency increases until sound... Um, is registered back into her mind once more, and she hears the desperate cries of Costas. Yes. And Vasca, I think on that, you, like, whirl around to see what's happening with Abiku. Abiku, we cut over to you now, where I think outside of, of your fucked-up mindscape from just being, like, speared through by the Black Star, we see your body limp speared through by, I think, like the sharp, rending obsidian spokes of the Black Star, this three-dimensional asterisk, this ink splotch peeled itself off the paper, come to life. You are dying, Abiku. And I think we push it on your face. We push in like past, I don't think it like causes blood to come out, which is somehow even more horrifying. These are just like void spikes that puncture through the essence of your soul itself. And you're just, I think like very gently twitching on top of it, right? Like the, the sounds of like Nibuza's God shard, like, like whirling in the background, fading to the recesses of your mind, like sun's voice fading, everything just fading out, right? It's just you, Abiku. And we push in on your face, your cold, I think, face with your your flickering eyelids as everything around you just starts to feel cold, Abiku, and, and, and dark and heavy. You don't even really feel pain anymore. It's just darkness beginning to fold itself in on the edges of your consciousness, like a, a paper being burned on the edges by flame, growing smaller and smaller, your, your consciousness slipping away from you. In this darkness, as you are I think you realize a little belatedly you're dying again, Abiku. What do you do? I, I guess to herself, she's just like, well, I, I guess we'll see if this takes this time. Make me a death save. Nope, that's a four. Abiku, you slip farther and farther away from the now. And, I mean, the after and the beyond are severed from here, so... If you die now, where do you go? Nowhere, right? Just nowhere. And it's almost like you're falling to the bottom of like a really deep well, but kind of like softly. It's almost painless dying is. Like you just see sort of like uh, the icy rocky ceiling going farther and farther away from you, almost like vanishing down the length of a tunnel or down the length of a pinhole. You're just going down, down deep into the darkness. And that's when you hear... A voice. A voice that is at once familiar and unfamiliar. A voice that smells like lavender. A voice that looks like a flickering shadow form moving through crystals in a tunnel. That's how the voice smells, looks, sounds. And the voice goes, 
Come home, Abiku. Come home. I... I don't know who you are. I am sorry. Where is home? The voice simply repeats, Come home, Abiku. Home. I... I would like to come home, but I... Also, I have to help Vaska and Costas and the doctor, and I, I, there's, I have a lot of things to do first. As you think about the bonds that tether you to the now, I think like as like even like the ceiling was like fading away, it starts to it starts to come back a little. Like it starts to get like the ceiling starts to get bigger and like a little bit brighter, and pain starts like zapping at your nerves again. It's sort of like the uh, sweet oblivion of death uh, and the sharp cutting edge of life are fighting for dominance within you, right? And on one end, the end toward the coldness, toward the painlessness, you hear the voice go, come home, Abiku. And on the other end you hear of, like, sharp, like, roiling pain of life, you hear, like, like the, the whipping winds of Nifbuza's godshard. I can't come home yet. I... I am here to do something. I am back for a reason, and I, I will find it, and then I will find you. But I I don't know you. I don't know me. Make me another death save with advantage. I will. I actually remembered I'm supposed to make those with advantage. Because <laughs> I've died before. <laughs> no shit, that's a nat 20. <gasps> okay. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, oh, fu- oh, fucking K. <laughs> what this means, Abiku, uh, is you fight against the voice, right? You're like, not now. Can't come home now. There's people here in the now that need me. And as you, like, push, you struggle, you fight your way back to where that ceiling gets bigger and bigger and bigger until the ceiling is the entire horizon around you. you see the stalactites in sharp relief, right? You hear the howling and the whipping of the wind. You feel the weave tensing around you, those void spikes puncturing through your lungs, through your souls. And the last thing you hear of oblivion, you hear of that voice is, Home, Abiku. Home. And then it just sort of drifts away, like, off into the distance. And Abiku... Your eyes fly open. Breath surges back into your lungs, Abiku. <gasps> Cold and sharp, right? Like uh, like a ice dagger stabbing you. But it's it's you're alive. You're alive. You hop right back up to one HP. I think it's like what what a nat twenty death save means. Like you you are no longer nice. unconscious. You are you are conscious. You're on the edge of it, but you're still here. You're fighting. You're bleeding. You're doing this. Uh, you can feel like the black star underneath you kind of writhing and, and pulsing and pulsating and like the spikes you look down and you see the spikes like sort of oscillating like in and out like out of like your own fucking torso your legs but you're back baby you're fucking back what do you do i think okay so what i do is just kind of like out of i don't know like you i i am working on like instinct and a biku I just like pull, like pull, like raw, get fucks power out of me, um, and I think she strings her bow, and as as she pulls back and knocks an arrow, it flashes with light as it becomes a lightning bolt, and she casts lightning arrow for the first time, and she just lets it fly. 
I love that. A uh, lightning arrow, gzz, 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 gzz. you feel static zapping at your fingers as you string your bow and just instinctually, you realize you didn't knock an arrow, but that doesn't matter. As you just see a bolt of electricity ripple its way like up, I think, uh, the bowstring, like, toward the knock of it. And as you're, uh, like, struggling on the ground as this thing, like, this fucking sea urchin, gzz, 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 like, almost, like, lumbers its massive, headless, formless body over to, f- to face you, you, uh, like, the, the grain of your wood creaks and you let this lightning arrow go and just make, make me an attack roll. 19 plus 7 is 26. 26. That hits! That hits, a 26 hits, a 20 hit, six, just just hits, it hits. Yeah, uh, so you, I mean, I think any amount of damage, why don't you roll damage and we'll see, um, uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. I will roll damage, 18. How do you kill this thing? As she lets it go point blank, it hits and like, it looks like nothing happens as it goes into this like weird void sea urchin. And you see electricity like, kind of like run up the spikes of it and start like arcing back and forth. And I think just like arc lightning happens to it and it just kind of like it starts to like heat up and that's what kills it. Um, as she mm. she doesn't even look at it in that like cool guy way. She's like laying on the ground, like heaving uh, with these like void holes in her right now um, as like next to her, there's like this thing like lighting like literally light like becoming a light with this like lightning that she like shot into it that's like arcing all all around and through it almost like a like looking into a storm cloud Mm, yeah like vicious signals jumping between telephone poles you see like bolts of lightning arc between its various spikes all through its body a couple of them lance through it and like the bolts that lance through its body light it up from the inside right this thing is a like oblivion black it's black the color of ink black the color of darkness beyond the stars it has no color it's not even black it's beyond that but your magic lights it the fuck up uh and you see it like glow from the inside with this like bright electricity and then right in front of your eyes as you're slumped exhausted on the icy cold hard ground it fucking explodes uh this black star just like disincorporates just bad in every direction you see black slick blood void matter like splash against like these stalagmites like around you up against the ceiling like some splash onto your face right and like the spikes just turn into goo and jelly and slough off and it it explodes and it dies uh is anyone there i can't really see right now and at that point, like, as you're just, like, on the ground, like, fucking exhausted at one HP, speared through these void holes, we're gonna cut over to Vasca. Vasca, you turn around to see Abiku on the ground, not impaled on the Black Star anymore. She's somehow, like, flipped over onto the ground. You turn around just in time to see Abiku spear an arrow, like, through, like, the Black Star, like, with one hand, not shooting it, just, like, with her hand. And the Black Star sloughing off in, like, a puddle of dead oil just on top of Abiku and all around her, right? Washing out in, like, this tidal pool of blackness, hitting Costas's boots as Costas is running forward, uh, and immediately drops to their knees and, like, like starts going over Abiku like hey hey Abiku are you okay uh, as Abiku's just like lying there panting a little you know having like killed this thing of her own accord while you were out of commission yeah I think at this moment Vasca sees this sees how terribly injured Abiku is feeling that vulnerability feeling this wave of pained guilt 
that she left her friends here, but by God, will she be here now? And kind of holding this crystalline uh, rope dart in her hand, she swings, it creates motions between her hands, and it moves between her, her arms, her elbows, using her knee to anchor it for a moment and catches onto a distant piece of ice or crystalline structure, holding it taut so that she can swing from what uh, from the pedestal that she's on currently over to be to save time, holding onto like pulling out her flute, holding onto it, and as swinging over, she hops down, slides next to Biku, and pulls out her flute to begin casting a spell in hopes of stif like uh, stifling the bleeding, the hurt, the harm to heal her with the soul magics, and as she's playing this tune, it is a deep, resonant song. It is a song that she has played for Abiku many, many times because it is a song she's written, inspired by Abiku. Not that she has told her that, but has written one. It is a sound deep as bone, earthy, and it starts with a low hum, and as each note is being played, more strings of black and light gold tether out with threads begin the healing process. And she looks over to Obiku and Costas apologetically pained eyes. Um, Sun uh, bounds up next to you. Like, he's right there, sort of like nuzzling around you, Obiku, like scrabbling at you. You hear Sun's voice in your head go, Obiku, Obiku, oh, gods, Obiku, you're here. Oh, thank gods. Yes. Uh, and Costas is nearby as well, being, ah. Oh my god, what the fuck? Oh my god, what the fuck? Like, mind blown, right? Everyone, get, get close, get close. Uh, and Ibiku digs her hand into the snow, and is like, and Dake, I could, um, we could all, I think, use a bit of a touch-up, and this wind blows, and this spirit forms of, like, hard light as Mbiku casts healing spirit to give us a little bit of a top off as she has holes in her body that she would not like to have to walk out of here. Mmm, Abiku, I don't think you see it, but Vasca, you certainly do. As the spirit that forms behind Abiku, which is why you don't see it, is yeah. like a very large, like, person, like a humanoid spirit, that is almost like has like a kind of purplish tint to it as poof, healing magic washes over you. Vasca, uh, right before the spirit discorporates, uh, you just smell the faint smell of lavender from it. Uh, anything from that, Abiku, like, stands up. <laughs> we will, I, you look uh, hot, hotter. Huh? <laughs> what, uh, oh, my god, Vaska, your hair and <laughs> your scales, uh. Just laughing at, at everyone I, reacting. Never seen you laugh so much been a long time and she like holds this crystal in her fingers Vasca, your eyes oh yes and, did they always do that and like you don't see this Vasca, because you can't see your own eyes uh, but Abiku and Costas and Sun are all staring at you like you've grown another head because as we push it on your face we see that you have one like crystal blue eye just like normal but your other eye the one over your heart is pure white. Not like a Bikus. There's still like an iris and sclera, right? But it's like pure white. What? 
Why are you both staring at me like this? Your eyes white. Wait, I mean I one of them. Custis, give me the. I take Cus one of Custis' swords and just like try to hold it up for you to see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a look. Takes a look. She goes. Oh, that's new. A new perk, perhaps. <laughs> hmm. And what's with that rope thing? Did you always have that? Oh, this? An old friend gave it to me. Huh. Well, speaking of old friends, I think we head back to Dr. O's. Now we did it. Oh my god, I'm fucking exhausted. Can we maybe head back tomorrow? Yes. Well, I mean, it will take us quite a long time, Castus. You know, we we will start heading back, but we won't get back tomorrow. You have a much... I uh, know, Abiku, come here, you big... Ugh. And, like, Costas just, like, hugs you. <laughs> I thought you were I, fucking dead. I already <laughs> did that. I was gonna say, Vasca, as these two are just doing the usual bickering, talking around each other, like, sentences flying over each other's heads, um, as Costas gives Abiku an embrace, Vasca steps up and wraps her arms around the both of them. What? Oh. <laughs> I never should have left you. It It is okay. It was more important. Hey, yeah. I mean, you're following destiny. That's the whole point of this whole thing, eh? Takes her head. Nothing is more important than the bonds you choose to keep. And she's going to look at you, Abiku. You and I need to talk tonight. Something what? I must tell you. Whatever you want. And we'll just like hold significantly shorter than you, but like yes. hold you both. Uh, is this talk related to what we were discussing in the corridor before this whole thing happened, or uh, Custis be putting cool. a pin in Custis? Okay, 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 okay. Uh, as you like, let go right of the embrace and are like laughing at each other, Vasca, letting go of your friends, you feel like a a ghost like memory of Atalanta's arm over your shoulder when you were singing to Netbuza. That just sort of dissipates as this moment between your friends sort of expands outward. I feel that like that's a feeling I have. Uh, interesting. Uh, interesting timing. I'm uh. <laughs> What would be very cool would be if, like, like she's laughing and holding her friends, but the minute the hand leaves her shoulder, there's, like, a feeling that she doesn't know quite how to describe, a, a discomfort, uh, no, that's not right, a cold, no, that's not right either, longing, a void and emptiness that she's finally allowed to feel and that feeling of the fingers leaving her shoulder brings that and for some reason as they're walking and leaving this temple hoping for a better place to camp she looks out to the horizon feeling something tug yeah, I think, like, we cut to all of you, like, walking out of the temple the same way that you came, like, this, like, snowy forest all around you, the last remnants of sunless light beginning to leach away from the gray, cloud-torn sky, 
and Abiku, as you continue to bicker with Costas, like by your side, who's like ribbing you and sort of like looking with like a crush in their eyes over at Vasca, uh, we pan over up to Vasca, uh, where your eyes are sort of caught, I think, on the southern horizon in the direction of the championship of Nabal, where your lost love is Atalanta. And perhaps with your heart set on making things right, going back to her before, well, you have to die to save the world. We're going to end the session there. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Oka Hien fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Alex, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Riley, Scrofusus, and Target.